well, Matt, this is it. This is the last episode of not just Legend of Korra's retrospective, but the entire Avatar series retrospective. For now. For now. We will, we will I, see. We will see how this goes. Do episodes on the Kyoshi books. Oh, I don't know if we'll do that. We'll go chapter by chapter. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. But, but I, I did, I did uh, make a statement to Matt that I will read those books and the next mm-hmm time we, we get together to record the next retrospective which is insert here later um <laughs> i i will give my thoughts on those and we'll continue with whatever retrospective comes after but this is it these are the final five episodes of legend of Korra. yeah and i feel like though if maybe shit hadn't gotten weird with the production we would be uh maybe a year away from whatever is coming next with the avatar franchise yeah, and uh, now it looks like we're only a couple years away. Yeah, um, which is like fine. Animation takes a long time. Writing takes a long time. Um, I've been talking about it a lot, but like I, I, if you follow me on Twitter at this point, like you know, I've been watching Young Justice again, and those those like seasons take a long time to make, and thankfully they're allowed to take that long because they work hard and they have a, a team of writers to to craft those narratives and. Mm-hmm talented showrunners and i just hope the avatar series continues doing that because i've enjoyed revisiting it and i enjoyed these last five episodes but let's when uh, was let's uh cora remember cora was announced and it took like a few years before anything actually came out yeah it was announced in 2010 but they had already started working on it because there was that concept art of her overlooking yeah, the, public city and everyone was yeah. like whoa steampunk <laughs> and everyone was very excited and if you're a human being that's worth saving, you're still excited about Legend of Korra. Yeah. Um, but it was just, you know, but I also, are we, uh, are we obligated to cover whatever the fuck the Netflix thing ends up being? Honestly, I'm not against covering it, but mm-hmm. I don't want to do chunks of episodes. I would just want to be like, hey, here's our thoughts on whatever that ends up being. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It, will it be worth doing multiple episodes on or just one big episode? I don't know. I, I've been seeing some uh, Last Airbender movie reclamation going on, and I'm not crazy about it, so you never uh, know. Well, because that guy did the video about M. Night recently. Oh, who? Who? Um, that that uh, Movies with Mikey guy. Uh, oh okay he makes good videos but he did one he like talked about is like if you watch you know he pointed out the thing like if you watch uh his movies if you watch m night's movies with uh no dialogue with the sound off and just listen to the score or any music they work a lot better Hmm. and he even said like uh last airbender plays a lot better and i think he also emphasized that like he used the proper pronunciation of ang which is ang in the film Mm -hmm. and so i think there's you know there's there's reasons to i guess defend that movie <laughs> yeah i mean that's mostly just me being like a facetious shithead like yeah whatever you like what you like but um i, I also do like uh, uh movies with mikey even if yeah. sometimes his titles I, are a little clickbaity yeah i will, I will just it say happens. though it's yeah i mean if you're gonna work on youtube you kind of have to be yeah. but uh i was gonna say like i i kind of can see defenses of every m night movie except last airbender like that's that the one one's just, just that's like, the one I struggle with. I yeah. do like basically everything else except for Lady in the Water and The Happening. Mm. I'm mm. sorry, I can't get there. Yeah, I'm a big defender of Lady in the Water. I, I know. It's I just, know. It's, the girl's name is Story, and we have to protect her. 
<laughs> so M. Night can write the book that will save the world, but he'll also be martyred for. <laughs> I think I think what I'm learning is I like it when uh, very ego-driven filmmakers just have their, like, are just completely naked in front of the world. You know? That, like, that's why you like the Snyder Cut. <laughs> uh, no, that's why I like the Army of the Dead. Because <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it's like, okay, there's the guy. There's the guy I'm looking for. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I don't, there's something about like when you finally kind of reveal who you are, that even if you do it poorly, or even if it's like something I don't like, I like it more, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Colin Trevor will, will die a failure because he doesn't know how to be vulnerable. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think yeah. we all just appreciate honesty and, and being honest with ourselves so we can grow and change. Mm-hmm. And, and find our own sense of balance in the world, which yes. leads me to the first episode we're here to talk about today, Beyond the Wilds. Yes. Matt, what did you think of this episode? I'm not even going to give a description. We're just going to oh, jump hey. into it. <laughs> right. If, if you're um, here to, to listen to us talk about it, you already know what happened. Yeah. Um, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> this is the one with the spirit vines. They, they start taking people, and Korra still is having trouble uh, uh, meditating to enter the spirit world and and talk to the vines and so in her desperation she's like i probably have to confront zaheer because i keep having nightmares about him trying to kill me that's probably something i should deal with now that i have the poison out of me um yeah we got a, it opens with a tour of the spirit wilds um john heater's back i don't know if we mentioned it was john heater last time did we yeah 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 i think yeah. we did napoleon um, dynamite himself oh yeah because we had a tangent about how I love oh Napoleon yeah the, the, the limited cultural impact of Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> I still think it's a great film I do too um, but it, it, it like it's very clearly just our generation you know like yeah it did yeah. not make it beyond us <laughs> no I I some older relatives got it and then like more recent ones are like yeah what the hell was that <laughs> yeah know? like Mean Girls seems to have transcended a generation yeah like, that I mean that one was like over I feel like that was pivotal to like determining what internet culture was going to like, like the dialogue online was going to be like, you know what I mean? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good thing inherently. I just, yeah. that's something that's there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it, it helped me navigate things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say, there is a much better, I won't say totally, but there's a much better gender equality online. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. In real life. But also that means you kind of have to navigate a world <laughs> that as a young man, I did not understand. Mm-hmm. And Mean Girls was the closest to understanding it. And then you meet, you, like, it is weird if, if you grew up a young man to run into people who are Regina George in real life, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it's we- that's weird. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, they're not just a movie character. <laughs> I think that's important. She yeah, was the but first. Rachel sign McAdams that... is perfect. So. Oh, she's great. That whole cast is solid. Um, but uh, I think she was the first sign that girl bosses were bad. Mm-hmm. Just to tie it back into this, <laughs> <laughs> she paved the way. Uh, Regina George walked so Kuvira could run. Yeah, they just needed to get Kuvira to. Uh, what was it they they put uh regina george george joined a bunch of sports teams to channel her anger yeah <laughs> that's the neat and tidy ending of that movie <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess that does make a little bit of sense yeah i mean for for a film that's about as solid as you're yeah. gonna get right there 
I mean, that honestly feels like something that could happen in Legend of Korra world. Yeah. Like, oh, Kavira so goes you... on trial for war crimes, but in prison, she joins a softball team, so <laughs> she ends up mellowing out. Uh, speaking of mellowing out. Arrested Development, he was on the prison baseball team. Uh, George Sr. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. With White Power Bill. <laughs> <laughs> So just translate that to what if Varric was in prison, but it was like Arrested Development. That makes perfect sense. They can't arrest a boss and a secretary for the same crime. <laughs> yeah, they can. I got the worst fucking look. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually kind of be perfect. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of what happened at the end of season two. Yeah. Like, that's a very arrest development. He's a very arrested development type of character. Yeah. I do like, you know what? I was. It was one of the things where... Uh, like not to jump ahead too far but he his arc landing i was a little worried about um compared to because like i knew where it was going but i didn't remember all the details Mm -hmm. so i was like i don't know how i'm gonna feel about Varric, and i ended up liking Varric a lot more in this these final few episodes Mm -hmm. than i expected anyway (laughs) um where it feels like oh he did actually kind of grow as a person (laughs) yeah and also the show is acknowledging that no Varric does kind of (laughs) suck like Mm -hmm. Um, which was nice to see. I mean, maybe that's also why people were like, kind of got very defensive when they were watching this show mm-hmm. and that it lets the characters suck. Like, yeah. The, the running joke is that Mako sucks. And now we all understand that Mako sucks. Yeah. Like the conflict within the viewer, like the individual viewer is now just, well, do you want to watch a show that's about like, people dealing with how much they suck and how they can get better <laughs> mm. you know because if that's not what you're here for i can see why you'd kind of shut the show out well we were the first generation of the tumblr wave you know mm-hmm. of like i just drew this cute fan art of uncle iroh and it's like oh you're gonna draw fan art of a war criminal like yeah. <laughs> where it's like that's how we debated culture for a few years i i'd say we're still there i um, say it came back i say it, it disappeared for a few years and then it came back oh didn't you know michael mann films are actually copaganda yeah and it, i mean you know what like here's the thing like that was a bad take <laughs> that person there is a little bit of a point to that like no no like but the person wasn't making a point to be like to start a conversation yeah you know they were trying like, to yeah, totally, shut totally problematic stuff in yeah. there Miami Vice is inherently like problematic as a concept yeah. for a movie that's that cool about Miami Vice officers. is a movie about how we just have to defer to the cops on everything. <laughs> like, yeah, um, and how cool they are at their job. Yeah. And the problem is that it is like one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, and like if the if the starting point of that conversation was like, you know, it, it's it's great that we all love this artist or whatever. Like, you don't have to even open it that way. But the starting point of the conversation has to be about like. You know, some of your favorite stuff is going to have problematic elements. Yeah. And that's okay. That's that's where you want to go with it, right? Or me, as long as you understand what's going on. But that guy was like, no, the people on Twitter are all bullies and they'll mansplain why Michael Mann is the greatest, even though his stuff is problematic. Yeah. And he was poking the bear and then the bear poked back. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, this is why I can't be on Twitter anymore or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I just got was... the tail end of that. And I was like, good thing I missed that. There's an amazing, I mean, I've never, cause I don't have an audience. So like, I don't know. This is like the five people that listen to this is my audience. <laughs> and uh, it's, oh, I've never uh, been the subject of a Twitter mob. I, I wonder, you know, I just feel like, like there's a very easy, like, okay, I fucked up, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I shared the one, uh, I shared something that was, I had two things recently. Where I shared the one thing where it was like army of the dead, where that quote about the raping zombies. Mm-hmm. And I misattributed the quote of the original director to Zack Snyder. And so people came and said like, Hey, Zack Snyder didn't say this. They didn't say it that politely, but they, they said that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I, I corrected it. And I said, Zack, Zack Snyder didn't say this, you know? Yeah. And then uh, recently I shared that there was that Billy Crystal thing that went around. And oh, then, yeah, like, yeah, where they kind of teed him up to be canceled. Yeah, that, yeah they, they, they put him in that corner, you know, which was like a little unfair to Billy Crystal. And so, like, I was like, all right, I acknowledge that. Yeah, like, he was trying not to have this conversation, <laughs> which is the smart move if you're Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I just don't understand the... Uh, the inability to be like i fucked up you know i think if you're big enough you've developed like an uh, there, there's like people out there that just hate you you know mm-hmm. and for like bad reasons and you don't want to ever admit that they got points on you you know yeah which you kind of have to do sometimes if you apologize and uh i've never been in that position so <laughs> i don't know but i wish uh certain people could just not tweet through it <laughs> yeah um a lot of that going around lately a lot of that and going around to lately. bringing it back to to cora i mean look at how she's handling this situation when she's being shut out by government officials when usually you know she still barges into the situations but less of like a literal barging in no more yeah. kicking down doors to the president's office or anything like that mm. and instead of like lashing out at them and in this case i would say like rightfully so kind of um she's like okay well I'm going to look inward now. Like where, how can I get back on track? Like on her own terms, she's not trying to appease them. She's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And you know, this might be the one time where the government officials in the show, apart from Tenzin are like, yeah, we probably did call you back too soon. (laughs) I don't know if you're ready for this. Well, it's also like, like, it's a point, you know? Yeah. And this is like the, you know, course finally got to a point where she can be like, I'm not just going to start a war, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. which is really good to see. That's definitely character growth yeah although president reiko is the one who's like we need to attack first yeah yeah and you know and and i cora like sees that there are there are reasons to do it but it's also like you know she weighs those options um is this the episode where uh fire lord azumi is in it yes Um, she finally speaks yeah so that's zuko's daughter right right yeah that was great um and she just shuts down she's like the fire nation's got involved in too many stupid wars yeah that that was like the way the writing develops like the world through the characters mm-hmm. like i i will never understand anyone who says the writing in the show is weak yeah. there might be like blind spots like we've definitely talked about just because anything that ages is gonna have them but yeah but, like on their own terms in their own universe like it's really consistent and it, it's really interesting to watch how the world develops mm-hmm. through these decisions and and choices that the characters I think make if you're looking for a kid's show in the middle of the obama era this is about as good as it's gonna get you know yeah <laughs> like i mean i've seen like we, we we've talked about a few other shows um you're a big fan of young justice and we're both fans of uh she-ra and those shows have definitely kind of taken the ball that cora threw and have run with it you know mm-hmm. like they both definitely pushed it a little further um, but I, I just think that there's that problem of just like there's limits to how much a kid show can do that any kid show kind of runs into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just the limits of, you know, 
adult people watching them <laughs> and being like, you know, you can't use, you can't go back to kid logic at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people struggle with that sometimes. I'd go further and just like fiction in general, where you, you can't solve mm-hmm. the world's problems with fiction, but I do like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously I like fiction, but like, <laughs> I'm like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. I like things. Um, but there, there is a point to like, making these things and being able to like reach people uh like with the ideas or or emotions that you're displaying in your story you know like there's power in that doesn't Uh mean you're gonna like stop the next donald trump from rising or donald Trump from rising again or whatever you know yeah just because you watch a show yeah and i i think people that get particularly upset about these shows maybe don't Mm -hmm. quite understand that they think they might but I think when they discover, like when, when they come across like a, a problematic element in something that they once enjoyed or don't enjoy, they're like, see, this is why this person and this program needs to be defeated. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's just, it's not real. Yeah. I mean, honestly, really, when I come across most of it these days, like unless like, like the only stuff that's like aged that like really makes me angry that like is aged bad is when like I look back and like, oh, the guy who wrote that ended up being like a horrible person, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the stuff that's like i have trouble with more whenever i'm watching something that's like a problematic thing and my reaction is more just like like oh that's kind of silly you know yeah like it's it's less uh the anger you see online but again i think bringing up donald trump was important thing i talked about where like ever since trump was elected there's just been like an like a real urge to take apart everything about society and try to figure out where shit went wrong (laughs) and uh I think we maybe are on the right track, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> um, I think we've, uh, I'm a little more optimistic about the people, I'll just say, um, and how certain narratives have shifted in recent years, you know, mm-hmm. like where it used to be difficult to explain to people how certain issues were interconnected. And now I see that being understood more. And guess what didn't help us get here? Art. <laughs> Is there any art in like recent years that you actually think helped people understand an issue better or like actually kind of mobilize people? I, when you, when you bring in like mobilization, I, I got to say no, just because mm-hmm. I don't think, I, I guess this is like just a personal belief. I don't think art works that way. Yeah. Like I think on mass, I, I, I don't know. Like Star Wars is probably the closest thing to like something reaching people on mass that, actually could get people talking like oh george lucas was actually uh having the Viet Cong be the rebels mm-hmm. in the original like but that's even that that's not mobilization yeah right so like i don't think so i do believe that art can severely change a person like like through their own individual experience i yeah. I, I think it can make a, a a major impact on their lives but yeah but i don't, like, I, think... I don't think the president's gonna watch come and see and be like i understand you know yeah well, I mean, it's like, I think it'll change you specifically if you show up wanting to change, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if you don't bring that to it, you're not going to. Um, I see that more. But I think that, like, to me, I, I, I've questioned <laughs> the importance of art <laughs> at all for the last four years. Yeah. You know, like, that's really where I'm at, where I'm like, I don't know if it matters as much. But I think the closest it's come to mattering is that I think art can give people the language that they didn't know they needed, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think if there's any art in the past few recent years that did that well, uh, I think the biggest contributor might have been Get Out. I think Get Out might have done that bit more than any other piece of film in the last few years. Because now, like, Sunken Place is just thrown around all the time. Yeah. And, and now, like, you Like, get... a lot of stuff, it, it is, it can be misused. It's like, no, that's not what Sunken Place is. Yeah, yeah. But but the fact that it's out there at all, I, I I would agree with that, yeah. I just think that's the one where, like, people, like, you have to think about what the Sunken Place means if you watch Get Out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just treat it as, like, a... Con- like a narrative concept like it's definitely you have to think about like oh this means something about marginalization in order for you just to grasp it and i think that has helped uh that, that adding that sort of language has helped people understand things i think us was like the one that really like not only did it help it also reached like a mass audience was no, i think like get out um, I mean, get out. Sorry, get out. I, I don't know why I mixed them up. Um, I think the only other one is, uh, for me anyway, was sorry to bother you, but I think that had like a li- less of a reach. Like, yeah, sorry to bother you. Put a lot of ideas that like were already in my head, but like kind of gave them like a more concrete form. Mm-hmm. Than I that so I can just kind of point to it <laughs> and be like, this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Whereas uh, Get Out like reached a mass audience. Yeah, and I think for that reason, something like Us is going to age a lot better because then, like like Us, I think almost came too soon, like just a year too soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I feel like now because of that like that interconnectivity you're talking about, Us is a film that's kind of all about how our lives like interwoven into other people's suffering, whether or not we even recognize it. Yeah, yeah. And people were like, oh, it's just about Hands Across America failing. That's dumb. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, I saw a lot of that opening weekend. And I I think that that film is going to grow in stature, like, significantly. <laughs> I saw more people just this. being like, the tunnels thing doesn't make sense. Like, that was more. I just feel like there was a weird, for whatever it was about us. And I don't know why, like, Get Out was picked to do it, but us wasn't. Like, I don't know what the terms of those things, but there was like less of an urge for people to be like, we have to talk about what us is about, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas I get out was kind of a movie where it felt like everyone kind of felt like we had to reckon with what that movie was doing. And which movies just don't really do that often anymore. Like say what you will, like even like movies that reach mass audiences, like fucking Endgame, which is like the highest grossing film ever. Like it wasn't like that encouraged anyone to go out and talk about what the film was saying. <laughs> yeah. You know? It mostly just, the biggest thing you have people was like, it was awesome when they all showed up in that one scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was probably the deepest conversation that happened on mass. And, but I don't know. Yeah, I think Us will be the one where it's like, if you're showing up looking for stuff, you'll find it. But I don't know if people are going to, maybe even when Jordan Peele's next film drops. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of like, don't sleep on us before Jordan Peele's next movie or something like that. Yeah, like, I think I'm, I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, because that movie fucked me up so badly. Us? Um, yeah, I, I think it ushered in the apocalypse and we just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw you say that. Yeah, like I'm yeah. genuinely serious about that. I feel like, because I remember the, after watching that movie opening night, mm. Gene and I did our podcast with, with a buddy of ours about it. Mm. And I said, I think the film prepared me for the end of the world. 
And that's not that's not me being like, oh, I called all of 2020 or anything. I'm just saying, like, that's a film, I think, that understands how fucked up the world is and how if we don't fix it, we're we're just all going to end. Yeah. Like, it's all going to come crashing down. Well, to me, like, the whole tethered thing in that just kind of, again, it helped kind of recognize the idea of, like, how really you can't divorce yourself from the problems of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even if you're, like, an okay person, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> if you especially if you're an american you know you're the even if you don't live in like massive wealth your your success and whatever privileges you have there's a direct contrast to that somewhere else in the world that made that life possible <laughs> yeah and it's almost like i guess spoilers for us it's almost like lupita nyong'o's character actually being uh one of the tethered originally there might be a point to that where the people you think you know and care about are just as culpable as anyone else and mm. maybe even more so and that's something we all have to reckon with too yeah. i don't know it might be like jordan peele's a really smart filmmaker and knows yeah. what he's doing with his images also that movie's just fucking scary <laughs> yeah no that, that's literally like terrifying like I, I think like just for for personal beliefs and statements i think that might be like the film that scared me the most mm-hmm. like i rewatched it for I, I went back to school this this uh these last couple months we're recording this and i rewatched it and did a, a an essay on it for my final mm. and i had trouble sleeping after <laughs> like it actually like has gotten under my skin to to the degree that like i don't like the lights yeah. off at night for too long it is yeah it was it, so. it was a frightening film it's probably like one of the few horror movies that when i saw it like the second and third time the scares still got me, you know, like mm-hmm. the same scares, which doesn't usually happen. That one where Heidecker's family gets attacked and that woman just appears is like one of the greatest scare shots in like the last 10 years. Oh yeah. Just the, the, the shot of the house and you just see them all. Oh, fuck that. Sorry. It's that, so good. It, but fuck no, that. It, yeah. Hey, my favorite movie of that year. So uh, that's, oof, that might be, yeah. yeah, that might be mine. But I always I try to put a horror oh, no. movie as number one. <laughs> What else came out that year? I don't even remember. So that's how good it is. I don't remember the other movies. I think I picked it over like The Irishman. <laughs> oh no, wait. I think I think The Irishman still. So. Yeah, I, I, here's the thing. I love The Irishman. I'm not. That's not even like a knock at The Irishman. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think Irishman was in my top five, but it's just like Us was my favorite movie. Yeah. It's like if I had to say, watch one movie. And if there's one, if there's one movie I'm willing to go to the mat on, it's us, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like the Irishman, I can. There's like a group of people I can see not caring for it. Yeah. Whereas us, it's like I'm gonna make you like this fucking movie. <laughs> but speaking of balance, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, it's there's right. a little bit of tethering going on here. Well, uh, here the, is literally tethered to the ground. Well, no, I was gonna talk about the people that have been kidnapped by the the spirit vines. Oh, <laughs> where they were tethered to the spirit realm. I, I guess. Is More it spirit of, world or spirit realm? I think it's both. Because, like, I think spirit realm is what they call it on Yu Yu Hakusho. And I, I, I rewatched that during quarantine as well. Um, Fucking so. nerd. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I should rewatch both Avatar shows and come back with an answer for that. Because I maybe it would be kind of cool if it was like oh this region of the world refers to it as a spirit realm this one mm-hmm. refers to it as a spirit world or if it just comes and goes because you know 
Well, this Whatever. would be a good time to announce that our next, next retrospective is just Avatar and Legend of Korra again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So I had an old idea for, uh, for a podcast that I just never did, but it was going to be uh, the Boss Baby Netflix series retrospective. Mm. <laughs> and so we, we watch an episode and we do a commentary on it, but we just talk about whatever is, is on our mind. It would have been like me, Gene, and then like whoever we, we get to guest on for an episode while we mm. talk to them. And it would have been an in-person podcast because that's how you get like reactions and stuff, yada, yada. But it never happened. And uh, I feel like we're not missing out with that, with that uh, good old boss baby content. Hey. <laughs> I've never referred to something as content in person until right now. And it felt bad. Did they make a boss baby sequel? Uh, it comes out next year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The girl boss baby. Wow. They've spent, they stayed up all fucking night coming up with that one. <laughs> but it's, gonna- um, <laughs> oh who's the actress it's she's like really talented oh it's the boss baby family business starring amy sedaris as oh, the girl boss baby okay that doesn't make it better <laughs> no but she's great amy sedaris so. is great i hope they paid her a lot i like that first boss baby like it's fun for the memes but it's like a solid film i don't like babies man oh, okay then you'll I, like that movie <laughs> yeah i just you know i think babies are gross <laughs> i hate them <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, they're like, you know, they're not really people yet. They're just like blobs. With I know, a... they're disturbing. Yeah. Just like they fucking... have autonomy, but they don't understand that yet. They just got fucking dead eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eye. Oh my God. I don't know. I've never like, people are always like, I had a baby. Look how cute it is. And I just, I don't like looking at it. <laughs> Looks like the blob. Yeah. It's just, it's like, I was about to make a joke, but I'm not going to make it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> It's going to be about abortion. <laughs> I think we can figure out where that might have been going. <laughs> no, uh, this is a this is a pro-choice podcast, so. Fuck yeah. But I remember when I first like started like taking this more seriously. Mm-hmm. There I don't even remember what comment it was, but I, it was either like about abortion or being like, yeah, if a Republican don't listen to this, right? Mm-hmm. And I had like a, a relative pull me over and they were like, you know, like I don't know if you should really be saying those things. You might you might cut out some of your audience. And I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I, I want I want those people gone. Yeah, like I don't want those people listening to me. Yeah. I don't want to know those people. Why the fuck that's why the fucking older generation failed us. Kind of yeah. Because they they believed like you should never talk to people about money, politics or religion and it's like those are the three things that fucked us yeah because so. i mean like i don't know how how often you've heard this but i've definitely heard this from older generations where they're like you know like race didn't like racism and, and politics didn't used to be a deal breaker for us back in the day and it's like yeah well now everyone's deals are breaking so good job <laughs> that's because you ignored some of those people <laughs> yeah but zahir's yeah. back zahir's back uh, Henry Rollins is back. They got oh, him. Two back-to-back episodes because he yeah, was after, in the clip show. After his prank calling the fucking one guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm willing to defend that. I, I feel like I didn't give a big enough defense of that clip show. No, I feel really like that clip that show was bad. Yeah, I had been hyped because I actually, I remembered watching it. I had actually skipped it on my first watch of season four. Because like I watched season four in like one sitting mm-hmm. and I had heard about the clip shows. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to watch that. <laughs> Yeah. and i skipped it so i rewatched it and i was like no you know what this is fine <laughs> like like it it's only like i'd consider it the worst episode just because it's not a full episode but like, yeah e- even like without grading on a curve knowing like why it's there like it i don't it's fine here's the I thing know. 
it might be the worst episode. It's still better than like the fortune teller from Last Airbender, which is like my least <laughs> you favorite might, episode. You should tweet that, and I just want to see like the response to that. Maybe, but I don't like my Avatar tweets. Don't get like picked up by like Avatar World. <laughs> it's okay. So, I'll retweet them. I, I guess, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like yeah, like the Great Divide. I would r- rather like not watch than <laughs> that clip show. Yeah. Oh no, no. Okay. If we're if we're doing that, then yeah, the Great Divide and uh, the Fortune Teller are worse. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like you know, if we if I had to watch an episode <laughs> now, like those are two episodes. <laughs> but and I don't think I, there's probably not another episode from later seasons that I don't like. Like it was that weird thing where when we talked about maybe doing like a best of episode episode once. Mm-hmm. And it was the thing, if I looked up what other people were saying and like the worst of list, like half of the list was what I would have made my best of list. I, I still think we should do that at some you point. Maybe should, but I, I'm also now like, because it's been a while, like I feel like I got to rewatch those episodes. Oh no, <laughs> like, not I, I rewatching. Gotta, yeah, and I just, but it's gonna be weird when like Zuko alone doesn't make my top 10, but the one where like teach the kids to dance does like. No, I, I'm fine with that. That's a great episode. That's better yeah. than every Footloose adaptation. Yeah, and it's just like it was. It was funny of to see that on like everyone's worst list. Yeah, because everyone is stupid except for us. I, I, you know, I never, I really never want to say that because I know how stupid I am. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, I don't get it. I don't get how you watch that and don't go like that was cute, you know, or like that was fun and like also gave us insight into the world, like. <laughs> They took a very conventional plot and actually used it to showcase something. Yeah. You know, Footloose set in a fantasy realm would actually tell you a lot about the fantasy realm without telling you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually genius. <laughs> and it's like, eh, you know, it didn't push the plot forward. <laughs> I mean, that that's like really what's kind of broken a lot of people's brains like this last decade specifically and yeah this isn't something where i'm just gonna blame like marvel i i think serialized television uh even something i love like 24 or lost um uh which you know have their own downfalls and such like that too but like yeah the idea that everything you watch has to be important and i think that's kind of hampered star wars in a way too uh to, to varying degrees of their own quality at the moment with tv shows and movies but like the idea that like, oh, is this canon? Is this not important? Then I don't care. It, it, does this lead into the next thing? Then I don't care. And it's yeah. like, that's not what like film is. You know, that's yeah. not like what art is. It's it's the idea that like you're supposed to talk about these things. Like the it's this weird thing where I, I don't know if there's a term for it, but I think I've brought this up of like this weird age of like participating media, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like it's not about watching any like the Marvel, especially Endgame and like Infinity War, none of that movie was about watching it, you know? It was about talking about it afterwards. Like that's where it really happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all these things are designed to do is just to be talked about on like these endless shows like Collider and shit like that. And you know, and when Last Jedi comes out and it's like an entirely like it's mostly thematic you know it like those guys like their heads exploded like they didn't know what to do and so they only resorted to being to pulling at like flaws that don't matter you know because they don't know how to talk about those things i really wish people who did fan speculation would fucking just take like one like just read on the three-act structure like once or something (laughs) you know 
like understand how character arcs work because <laughs> like your, your your theory has to fit that you know because if your theory doesn't fit you know a character arc then you just end up making rise of skywalker <laughs> remember that piece of shit <laughs> i've come to terms with it there's stuff i still like in it i ha- hey that's we what were, i'm leaving with. we were two of the bigger defenders of that movie when it came out and it's aged that- like milk and I stand by our defenses, but I am I'm starting to see people say that it's actually good, and it annoys <laughs> <Sure>. me. <laughs> no, no. I, it, I saw a lot of people coming out to defend it. You know what's odd? I've seen a lot of people, uh, not non-American audiences, are really drawn to that one. Mm-hmm. And that's why America is the fucking greatest country. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that was great. Um, but like, I don't know. There, there must be something with like the visual language or something, you know? You know, I would have agreed that until we did the commentary. Know, like I the know, commentary, like fucking made me want to die. Like just look like only having that film to look at was a miserable experience. <laughs> it was, it was truly like soul crushing as a movie and not entirely. Like there was a lot of good stuff I would say in the first half. And then Again, if with no dialogue, I think the confrontation with Palpatine is good. But like it is sandwiched between the worst stuff in that movie. I think everything that happens between Palpatine, the Palpatine showdown, and the reveal that Ray is related to Palpatine. I think all of that is garbage, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think the very epilogue is absolute garbage. Oh, yeah, that's the worst note to leave off like yeah. a nine episode series. Yeah, it was it was pure trash and uh i think those are enough that it's it's like cement shoes on that movie yeah. no like, it's I, it's still like my least favorite mm-hmm. um and i and, don't intend to watch it anytime soon yeah it's one of those things where like i say i, I say i say i'll say i'm starting to turn on the foghorn leghorn <laughs> um i it'll it'll be better when there's another movie you know mm-hmm. when ray comes back <laughs> Whenever they, they whenever they convince Daisy Ridley to come back, even though I think she wants nothing to do with Star Wars ever again. It's like they're gonna have to fucking pull a dump truck of money off their house. <laughs> like whenever she comes back and we get, you know, I'm not even saying that that story has to be good. <laughs> it just has to be another story. <laughs> and then I think Rise of Skywalker can find its footing a little better. Mm. You know? Um, it's the mistake that all these fucking, the third one makes. And honestly, you know what? props to fucking the end of legend of Korra, which doesn't do this it doesn't feel the need to close the book on like the whole series you know Mm -hmm. like i think jedi sith and rise of skywalker all have that problem where they feel like they're closing the book on the whole series you know yeah whereas Korra is very much like we are just ending this story (laughs) like and and in a way i mean i I guess we could just hop around a little bit more just because we are kind of like running in circles right here but like yeah the idea of Legend of Korra isn't even that it's like it's ending the show. It's like Korra's ending this chapter of her life and now she can move on to like not just new adventures, but like as a person, she can move on in her life into to something new and exciting. Yeah. You know, with its own set of issues and its own set of like <laughs> ideals and goals. And I guess it makes sense and- that the one like franchise I'm like standing by in this age of like awful franchise is the one that's like a core theme has changed. Mm hmm. Where it's just like, yeah, that's what I want, you know? Yeah, because I, I, I mean, like, before Rise of Skywalker came out, I was 
hopeful in a sense because it was like jj abrams can't end anything mm-hmm. although the alias finale is like okay it, it's like solid yeah. it, it needs to it, it needed some work but that's not into, even entirely his fault but like rise of skywalker didn't need to end it didn't need to close the book it needed to open up a new one and be like okay now we can go anywhere star wars can be anything yeah right like that's kind of what you needed in that in that film yeah, what it, it, yeah it's baffling that they made the decisions they made you know so just it, it just even if you like that movie it's very limited to that movie you know yeah whereas like not like horror like like they tie it back to ang but they also go like you know it's its own thing they're not feel that's that's why it's probably the best thing that she lost contact with the past avatars Mm-hmm. You know, because otherwise she'd be talking to the spirit of Aang like every three episodes, <laughs> and that would be boring. <laughs> and you know, not to psychoanalyze a, a filmmaker, but I'm gonna psychoanalyze a filmmaker. But maybe there's something a little telling that they're not the person to guide the ship on a franchise when maybe their career was kind of handed to them on a silver platter. Maybe all of the introduction to their franchises that they that they kickstart uh, is about being handed them on a silver platter and meeting uh the the mature adults that give them whatever they need so they never have to have any serious conflict that can't be solved with a phone call you know i did not notice that until just now when you yeah said no it. it's really bad that's but weird that is it, weird mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is not a judgment of character just of artistic merit uh, <laughs> but and that's why i kind of wish every franchise had that you know like yeah. not forgotten to another uh spin-off tangent but you know like the idea of like oh spider-man movie with more spider-man that you recognize from other spider-man franchises mm-hmm. that's like not exciting to me yeah <laughs> you know? that's not what i'm there for i'm more confused <laughs> i mean that, i think that's why like the return of here is like a really powerful moment yeah honestly because she, she can't find comfort or assistance from anyone else because no one else has been through what she's been through she has to confront it by herself and even Mako, who who is sucking less now because he's willing to accompany her on this journey. Mako does start a panic. <laughs> he does. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yes, which is fantastic. But um, I I really love the the moment with Corinza here, and I felt like the weight lifting off her shoulders, and obviously it didn't lift off any weight from my own real life shoulders, but it was a little cathartic just i've had a very long tiresome year <laughs> yeah. and i was just like oh my god i, I get it i get, I yeah, get the feeling for same. sure um, um and just that zahir is uh if anyone had any doubts about maybe the more nuanced aspects of the character from the previous book i i think they they kind of hit the nail on the head this time yeah even you know where he's like no he's not like a hateful dude he doesn't want to kill like innocent people mm-hmm. and uh, naturally he does want to stop a tyrant like kuvira and initially when when this first aired i thought oh my god they're gonna have to team up with zaheer it's gonna be sick and that that doesn't happen and that's here, okay because here he was still, still too crazy to let out of prison unfortunately yeah. no he would still try to kill like cora and raiko and tenzin you yeah. know like, that's like there's a good thing. thing where it's like he's like because he's he, she mentions like hey you know your anarchy all it did was lead to kavira which is kind of true you know yeah in the logic of the story and he's like, yeah, I got problems with her. <laughs> but he says it in a way of like, it's because I couldn't kill you. <laughs> you know, like he mm-hmm. still kind of believes. There's like a little bit of doubt in him of what he did, but he still kind of believes that had he succeeded, things would be working out better. 
no yeah yeah totally he he has his his ideology as like as more twisted than uh like real life anarchy obviously um but I don't know. I, I I just found it very uh, very interesting that, that they had this moment, and this is another episode that made me wish the season was even longer because it's like I want to keep exploring that dynamic now. I guess like, I think it's good that Zahir is kind of left as like a guy who's like I am okay dying in prison with my beliefs. You know? No, 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 totally. But like, and again, it's not something I needed more of. This is just another situation of where I want more. Yeah. And he help. He's the one that helps her like come back in contact with the spirit world. And he's the one who tells her, like, you you say your power has limits. I say it's limitless because mm-hmm. not only, like, am I upset that I failed to kill you, but, like, you should have died, like, a bunch <laughs> of times over. And you didn't. And you're still here now. <laughs> you're talking to me. Yeah. Like, Which is kind of like the moment of him being like, like, that might be a sign that the universe is telling me I shouldn't kill you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Yeah. And uh, oh, and then then Rava Rava was never really gone. Yeah, he was inside Korra all along. That's the moment that really got me. I was like, oh boy, I feel the uh, <clears throat> the tears coming on. But uh, it, it was just a really really great episode, and the rest of the episodes are also really great. So I kind of want to go through them too. I gotta I gotta be honest though. I like I think this is something we maybe didn't cr- come across a little bit. Uh, Zaheer should have been more upset that his friends were dead. I mean, maybe, but he's like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, like, as in like, that's what the show should have done. I'm just saying that if Zaheer was a better person. Oh yeah. I don't think he is though. I know. That's like, that's a problem. Oh, you know what? Here, here, here's like, I don't even know if this is like a genuine criticism then, but so Zaheer achieves enlightenment by letting go of his earthly tethers, like his relationships, his emotional connection to people. And that's how he learns to fly. I think this season could have had uh, just a subplot about that, but Cora is able to like achieve that enlightenment, you know, or like, or maybe uh, not Tenzin, um, Dinora then mm-hmm. achieves that through her connection to her family and friends. So that, that way it's not just a weird thing of like, he, he gets it because he doesn't care about anyone anymore. <laughs> I guess, but like, I don't know. I don't understand that philosophy as much, you know? No, no, I don't need to talk to like Buddhists who like believe that and stuff like that. And like, I don't totally get it. Um, but this is just kind of like a limit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, whereas to me, it's always been more like you gotta, you have to accept that things have, there's no permanence in life, you know, mm-hmm. which is to me what that sort of enlightenment is. But uh, I don't know what's here <laughs> learned. Yeah, it's like one of the few questions that the show leaves you with i guess yeah, yeah you know so here's a complicated fella oh and and uh bolin and uh of fucking no i forgot Varric. bolin and Varric show up and and warn yeah. them that Kavir is how does coming. bolin keep getting into the meetings is the better question oh yeah well i do like that they were gonna arrest him like immediately yeah <laughs> yeah that was probably the right move yeah, yeah, because um, they were uh, traitors. And I do like that Boleyn isn't immediately forgiven. And I guess that's where my line is, where it's like, if this was a show made for adults, like, I'd want that to be, like, the season-long conflict. But since it's a children's show, like, I can handle that this is resolved in, like, two episodes. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, because Boleyn does uh, try to make it up to Opal a lot, and the only way she's going to forgive him, and we don't even know if that's she's telling the truth, because she owes Boleyn nothing, but is... 
if Bolin agrees to help her and Lynn rescue their captured family, like that makes sense. But I do also think it makes sense that Mako and Korra like forgive him immediately because you know they're they're a tight knit little family unit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can buy that. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the next episode then. Chapter 10, Operation Bayfong. They could have worked on the name. <laughs> That's my criticism. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is another action-heavy one. I guess because yeah. all the Bayfongs are there, but they didn't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, they didn't know Toph was going to be there. No, no, they didn't. But Toph is still the best, which is I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, but she also does kind of suck more no she sucks but like she's also like i know i suck but i'm also not gonna change mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know it That's makes sense off. that the earth bender would be that way mm-hmm. i will say and that's you, that's definitely something i'm getting from those kiyoshi books oh <laughs> uh, one of the things that struck me on this rewatch was when lynn was rightfully calling out Toph for maybe not being the best mother i was like you know i never knew my dad like what's <laughs> up with that dude um and uh, I feel like another show, this would be like a season three plot. And then the next season, they'd introduce the dad. And then that'd be a new family dynamic. And yeah. I like that. That's just never going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just. Although another... I don't know about the comics. Oh, okay. The comics, whatever. Uh, but like, yeah, I, the show doesn't feel the need to tie a pretty bow on everything. Mm-hmm. It's a show that allows its characters in this world to be like really messy. And yeah. it makes it feel like more authentic in a way. Mm hmm. While also throwing metal at each other's faces and stopping a super laser weapon. <laughs> you know what I got to say? Uh, <laughs> one, uh, Toph on the wiki, fan wiki page, uh, she has four love interests listed. Mm-hmm. I should say one is just Suyin's father. He hasn't even gotten a name. <laughs> And then it, it looks like Kanto doesn't even have a wiki page. <laughs> that I find that hysterical. <laughs> I think that is a great sign, <laughs> in my opinion. Because <laughs> I, I agree. I do not I do not need to know about him, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I do like that Top is kind of like they're like, oh Top, what what was it like doing XYZ? And she's like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I understand why Lynn is upset. <laughs> like maybe. Yeah. That's a conversation between Toph and Lynn. But for the series, it's not one we need to have. <laughs> uh, oh, and in this episode, we also, you know, it's proven that Julie is not a traitor. She's been lying about her loyalty to Kavira in an attempt to, like, stop her super weapon from happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had, I had forgotten how Julie's arc played out, uh, Julie. God, that's a confusing name. Sorry, I don't mean this. Because there were the Julies in the fucking first show. So every time I want to say it, I want to say that. But she's Julie. Oh, yeah, not Judy. Judy. Oh, all right. Yeah. There's no war in Bossing, say. No. Um, there's, there's yeah. no war here either with her. Yeah, because she's like, fight the power. Yeah, um, although she almost does get blown up. She does, yeah. I mean, hey, she was willing to blow herself the fuck up. No, yeah, yeah. Like, respect. Yeah, you know? she's, she's going the distance. I guess if you're willing to sacrifice, I mean, she was like doing everything for Varric. So I guess mm-hmm. whatever, she's very committed as a person, which is what we're learning about Julie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she doesn't get like 
a lot to do until these last couple episodes, but like she kind of she's one of the MVPs. Honestly, that's something I it's it's a thing I love in it's usually in like franchise fiction or like fantasy fiction where there's like the supporting character who like the last minute steps up and ends up being like the character, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's kind of it's like Wedge Antelli is blowing up the second Death Star, you know. <laughs> I guess I, I like Julie more than Wedge. Oh uh, yeah, Julie definitely has more going on than Wedge. Who hey, don't worry, he showed up in Rise of Skywalker. Um, but hey, that was uh, real exciting watching the eighty-four year old man say, "Great shot, Lando." Yeah, that's you know what, as a ju- huge Wedge Antilles fan, that made me happy. I I was so angry. I know I was furious, but. <laughs> Because then it's, it raises more, whatever. Yeah. Fucking, how does the guy who knows how to do fan service so well in one movie not know how to do it again? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Again, that's like the Toph thing of like, there's certain things that aren't important. Mm-hmm. I, I do, I also like when Toph is like, you know, that's why Guitar is not getting involved. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> like, know, we're just to old. appease the haters. Yeah, it's like, well, we're too old. Zuko doesn't even make an appearance in this season, does he? No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, in, in the I have to rewatch that last episode, but he might be in the crowd, although I can't imagine why. Um, I mean, I can imagine him being in the celebration crowd. Yeah. Like at the I end, will you know. if, if he's here, I'll put the picture up here on the YouTube right there, future okay. Diego. Thank you. If not, if I'll just put a sorry panel. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But <laughs> you know, I, I like the big everyone gets together ending, even if he doesn't have a line. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, he doesn't doesn't seem to do much because you know I think his job at that point was just the guards are here. <laughs> yeah, his daughter I mean, he, is taking he over wasn't the even Fire Nation. The, the emperor or the, the ruler of the the Fire Nation, you know. Yeah. So thank God shit worked out for him better than it did for old King Lear. <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need to make that reference. Uh, an an Avatar adaptation of King Lear. You know what? Fuck it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Start that, doing like franchise. A... Start head adapting Shakespeare into different franchises. Hell yeah! I think that's actually an idea that someone might do. I'm not I saying mean, it's a good one, but it's an idea. A Star Wars movie that takes aspects of like Romeo and Juliet would be kind of cool. Or the Tempest. aspects, aspects yeah. though, not the whole yeah. thing. You could totally do the Tempest, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> just keep talking. There should be a whole podcast. We just toss out like different literature inspirations for star yeah. wars like here, here you guys go just take them Don't yeah just, pay us. just take them we just barely tied in the star wars yeah. <laughs> that's why the great gatsby's green light was a lot like i don't fucking know the, the green vision. lightsaber in return yeah. of the jedi exactly much like what gatsby uh desired in the distance. gatsby believed in the green light whereas luke was able to wield it and Luke believed in the forest. Things worked out better for Luke. <laughs> Guess we got shot. <laughs> Poor Leonardo DiCaprio. Poor Leo. Oh, Baz Luhrmann <laughs> and your 3D adaptation of The Great Gatsby. Hey, I, I fuck with that movie. I like that movie. Yeah, okay, good. I like, yeah. It's... Great, the Great Gatsby was the first book I was assigned in school that I actually enjoyed reading. <laughs> Because up until then, they fucking, I, I've, I think I've had this exact rant, but like, they, you know, they think young people want to read books about young people, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's true for a bunch of you idiots out there. <laughs> but I wanted to read books about 
a something of substance. <laughs> so when we finally started reading books like Ethan Frome and The Great Gatsby, I actually liked them because they were about adults dealing with adult problems. I didn't really give a shit about a book that was about a teenager in the fucking Revolutionary War. Because guess what? I don't relate to that kid. <laughs> he doesn't have indoor plumbing. Speaking of adult problems, <laughs> Bolin uh, and, or excuse me, Lin, Suyin. Every and... time you say Lin, I think you're going to say Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> no, he, he's not welcome on this podcast. No, he's not. <laughs> um, I feel like he's someone who could end up on like the next Avatar series. Don't say that. Like he's been because pop- he's on like the new Ducktales and shit. Like he's been popping up in weird places. I just I felt my blood pressure like just just shoot up right now. Although it maybe we're finally turning on him. I don't know. Lynn Bayfong, Miranda. <laughs> Lynn Miranda Bayfong. Yeah, you know what? The one that uh didn't didn't do anything except start like a musical career. <laughs> wow. I'm, they made I'm, the musical I'm so angry about, can't move. They joined the Ember Island players and they made musicals about uh, like Avatar Kyoshi and how she did nothing wrong. <laughs> My God. In her nonstop murder fest. I'm a defender of Avatar Kyoshi, but mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a little murder never hurt nobody. Oh, no, no. Because like, Lin-Manuel Miranda's thing was that he did Alexander Hamilton. No, I know. You and know that. So, so maybe you run a musical about Sokka. Because, like, he's the one that wouldn't get remembered. Aww. Because, <laughs> like, every history book is going to be, like, no offense to Sokka, who's great. But every history book is going to be, like, and Sokka was there, too. <laughs> you know? You know it would be incredible if that's, like, true, but all the mm-hmm. stuff he did gets credited to, um... oh, I can't remember her name now. What oh, lady uh, friend? Suki. Suki, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. It can make sense where it's like no one would believe that Sokka could accomplish these things. Yeah. <laughs> but Suki has proven herself. So it's like clearly history was trying to say that she did it. But... <laughs> they could, uh, they, they there's a pretty sick fight in this episode. I just want to say that. Like even, yeah. even the people that like don't tend to, to like this show, this fight mm-hmm. on, on top of the super cannon weapon uh between su yin god the names there's so many there's a lot of characters in this episode. between <laughs> su yin and kuvira uh when they're like tossing the metal back and forth and they're making the metal arm around each other like that, su that yin manuel miranda. on twitter su yin manuel miranda we're gonna move on but that that fight <laughs> Sorry, like no, it makes waves is terrific um yeah there's no honestly i will say this is like the one like as the season goes on you can really start feeling that there was cost cutting going on like you can definitely feel it you know Mm -hmm. um there's a couple scenes where they literally just use still images Mm -hmm. because they couldn't do the action and like from the earlier seasons you can it's just weird where like you i remember the first season where it's like you can tell like wow they gave these guys a fucking anything to make this show Whereas this one, you can tell they're kind of just like they're working with what they got. Yeah. And but they still managed to pull out the action real well. Yeah. I mean, that that is maybe my biggest criticism of the show. And that's not even on like the people that actually made it. Yeah. <laughs> is that yeah, the animation the, does. It's not kinda, their fault. The yeah. budget was cut. Yeah. Um, 
And like, like, you look at like still seconds. images of that of that first season. It's just like wow, this holds up with like any of the best um, animation like in America, or I, I guess the animators are from Korea, so gotta give them credit. But like, yeah, it, it's not it's not animation. very common to see like quality anime. Like American animation, as we know it, is like Family Guy and Simpsons. <laughs> and it's like disgusting to look at for long periods. Even of time. they are done overseas, though. Oh, really? I'm stupid. Yeah, I, be- I believe the Simpsons are. I, the Simpsons, at least, I believe the Simpsons are done overseas. Mm. Well, because the story for the longest time was that, like, because they like I I only know this because I saw that fucking documentary about how they make a South Park episode in six days. <laughs> And like it was that thing of like, well, they got to outsource the other shows have to outsource their animation so they can't really do anything topical, you know, mm-hmm. which is why South Park is able to literally talk about like events that happened that week because they they write the episode that week. <laughs> and it's and they animate they do the animation like at their office. So it's like, hey, whatever, you know, good job, I guess. <laughs> How about South Park? No, <laughs> about those South. No, they, they got paid a shit ton. Okay, so we we get the president. Um, the president, like, they're of course trying to work with him, and he wants the Varric to develop spirit vine based weapons too. Yeah, which uh, is a problem. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, that's the whole problem with arms races. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's another reason why I think he he would have made like a good antagonist for a fictional fifth book. Yeah. You know. I guess I kind of like him as being like, he'll go to whatever side, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think he has it in him to be the big bad, but I could see him being on the side of evil. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the president or Varric? The the president. Okay, yeah, yeah. Varric's okay. definitely been on both sides. Yeah, because yeah, at, at this point, it's very clear that he's, be, he's this is his redemption arc, so to speak, right? Yeah. Like, because last season he was like, quote unquote, good again, but he wasn't mm-hmm. like, a driving force in the narrative like he is now yeah the joke was that he kept saying he was good again but clearly showed no growth <laughs> yeah yeah and now he's like hey i'm having like i i guilt and like yeah. feelings and i miss julie and <laughs> what is this <laughs> you know yeah i'm not gonna build a weapon which is that's a lot of growth for a guy like him yeah yeah he learned more than fucking tony stark did over like five movies oh god yeah <laughs> whoa yeah that's too bad <laughs> um did i ever tell you so, sorry uh, did i ever tell you like how fucking endgame should have ended uh no so it, and it can so. still end with tony dying even though like i don't think that's a great way to end it no but, I, don't, I don't think he should have died period but, but here's, go ahead. here's what you do you have him you know snap the finger right mm-hmm but instead of killing everyone, <laughs> he gets rid of all weapons with the snap. Oh. Which was like his mission. But it's the Iron Man suit that's keeping him alive. So, like, that's how he sacrifices himself. Huh. And it's like he gets rid of all weapons and also gets rid of, like, the gauntlet because that's a weapon, too. But, like, that would be, like, a very, like, it would, it would fuck up a show that sucks. Uh, <laughs> the new captain america show falcon whatever uh and because like the, the shield would disappear like everyone's weapons would just disappear you know mm-hmm. and that'd be like all right i did what i did now i can die <laughs> so like, i built a better world for my daughter now like hopefully that'll be enough 
I I can't respond to that because I want to keep talking about Les and Decora, but I I have a lot of thoughts on how that should have happened, and <laughs> I I think it's antithetical to his arc for tony to die i i would agree but i'm just saying if i had to make one change yeah yeah that's no, 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 what the it. change would be mm-hmm. like I, I like that game of like you know if you don't like a movie but if there's one thing you think could help it like that would buy one change yeah you know yeah. that's but not a bad very one. it'd be very on the nose but it would also actually be an arc so yeah, yeah. um and i think that'd be a cool way to end your superhero film to be like weapons are bad yeah but then where would all that military funding go? Anyways, hey, yeah. Chapter 11, Kavira's Gambit. Wouldn't that be Speaking a better weapons, fallout? Wouldn't that be a better fucking like fallout to deal with? Yes. Where it's like Tony Stark destroyed the economy because there's no more weapons. <laughs> like they would have to think about the plots for those for more than five minutes, though. Yeah, they would. You know what? Those fuckers would probably end with actually some weapons are okay. <laughs> How else am I supposed to defend myself and my family? Yeah. Without an MK-47 assault rifle or whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm just protecting my family with my militia that also is exclusively white for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Korra tries and fails to uh, to get the spirits to help her defend Yeah, the that's another city. important thing. I... Makes... You're good. Well, we're gonna, you go, go with your thought first. Okay. Because in, in this like uh era of the avatar world the spirits are very like specifically representative of like nature and our relationship Mm -hmm. to it and so like if if you took it down to its most like base elements cora is asking for like the forest to like kill the other army yeah right or like she's she's hoping that they cause like a tsunami or something right and that's just not how nature works um and yeah like even though kuvira is is the bad guy here it doesn't solve anything if Korra can command like the planet to do whatever she wants because then that still is is, is like a, an act of, of like like a world conquering being you know yeah and that's that's good that the spirits kind of cut her off from that i think i was very impressed when yeah, i first was, saw this the restraint that honestly feels like a like it feels like they might have had that discussion in the writing room of like maybe she should team up with the spirits and then someone like quickly or maybe not quickly it doesn't matter at least someone finally realized like that's not a good idea you know mm-hmm. yeah um, it feels like one of those where a lesser franchise not going to name one um could uh would r- immediately settle for that option <laughs> mm-hmm. because it fits neatly you know yeah and uh I do like that they, I mean, they're, they're really driving home the point that Kuvera is the, like, reflection of Korra, you know? Like, the, the, the spirits straight up say, like, you and Kuvera want the exact same thing, which is to use spirits as weapons. And Korra's like, no, and then they're like, peace out. And they <laughs> smell you yeah. later. And then it's, they leave. Yeah, it's it's not their fight. And, I mean, just because we're going to hop around a little bit right now before we, we wrap, like, all this, these last couple episodes up, you do, you do see all those spirits in the last episode again mm-hmm. in in that little area yeah. that that we'll get to and i i thought that was like oh it's she's brought balance into this new world now and that's mm-hmm. cool cool she did it you know again it's, it's a temporary thing but it's like it, it that's a good point to like leave the series off on i found um i don't know who voiced that spirit that talks to her but i really like them 
Yeah, it was. I, I don't know who. I, 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 I'm assuming this is past the point where they could get celebrity voice casting. Yeah, yeah. What, wouldn't it be even... fucking hilarious if we're like, oh, yeah, I don't know who that was. And that one was Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> fucking Jeffrey Combs. He should be on this fucking show, frankly. No, I know. I've fucked up so bad. Oh, no, they I hope Jeffrey up. Combs is having a good day. <laughs> he, he's well, being well, one of the next shows. Wherever he is in the world, yeah, still trying to get that that fourth (laughs) um, reanimator film off the ground. Yeah, the reanimator film set in the White House. Yeah, that's such a fucking great idea. Yeah, Uh, Stuart Gordon died though, so it's like, yeah, it's like at best we could get Brian Usna. Yeah, I I I like him more than I. Yeah, Brian Usna is like cool and like he lets his freak flag fly you know like he just goes fucking insane look i saw return of the living dead part three yeah like holy shit that's a (laughs) wild fucking movie yeah have you seen society i did finally watch that was the first movie i saw after the election when it was confirmed that no legally <laughs> trump lost the election and i was just like whoa wow I, I won't even talk about it but just anyone who hasn't seen society go watch society yeah yeah everyone check out society <laughs> ideally wow. after an election <laughs> i don't know if i would recommend that <laughs> but I'm like Zuko when it comes to elections. They always like put me in like a medical coma. <laughs> like, they really, I, I don't, I'm not good around election time. No, this last one was particularly bad. Yeah. But yeah. At least we don't have to hear from what's his name every day. Yeah, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. For now. Until <laughs> he legally, or le- the Supreme Court rules, he has to be on Twitter. <laughs> Um, but at the end of Operation Beifong, everyone is reunited <laughs> in Republic City. Julie reveals that Kuvira is, is getting ready to attack in like a week or whatever, two weeks, mm-hmm. I think. And ev- this is it. This is everyone's kind of like endgame moment here. The gang's all together. Now they have to figure out how to defend Republic City and evacuate the people. So in Chapter 11, Kuvira's Gambit, uh, Asami and Varric have to reteam, uh, even mm-hmm. with their budding, I guess, friendship now. Yeah. Um, to build a, Varric's a very excited about it. <laughs> yeah, Varric's excited. Asami is like, I will kill you <laughs> if you try anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, she didn't say kill, but she, she that's what she'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, Kuvira's army shows up way earlier than expected, and Oh, yeah, that was the reveal that... at the end of, wasn't it the end of the last episode they revealed that she's actually coming in? She's coming in two weeks, but then this episode, it's like she's a week early, right? Yeah. Yeah, and she fucking like kills those people. Wait, wait which like, people? She like the people like, oh god, the army's coming early. We have to alert the city, and then she just fucking shoots them with the laser. Oh yeah, I guess I, I can't I remember know, maybe... if there's a shot of them like getting away at the last second, but in my mind, they were all killed. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with that. I'm pretty sure they got away, but okay, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. In my mind, they all died. They yeah, also, they like, probably kinda, all did. They kind of like were still. It was like the show got still after that, which is like the animation way of saying those people are dead. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, she also has a, a, a giant mecca. Yep. Because that's where the show goes, people. Yeah, why not? That's yeah. exactly. That's the logical endpoint of all stories. Giant meccas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. If your story doesn't stop, it just goes to giant meccas. <laughs> 
So. Star Wars 10, here I come. Godfather Part 4. No. <laughs> Michael's back. <laughs> He's in a robot. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Iron Giant Man Mecca just doing revenge. The... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also get a, a I quick heard cameo. you paint Mecca's. <laughs> I don't we, know. I we we also get a, a quick cameo from um, uh, General Iroh. General one. Iroh, who I honestly was thinking like, that they actually, they stepped it up in the last few episodes where like Tenzin was barely in the first half, but then like he's really a big part of these last few episodes. But you could start to feel like maybe that because of the limited budget, they were, they couldn't fit in all the voice acting, you know, mm-hmm. um, it felt like, so I was almost worried like, oh, is he, is General Iroh not going to show up? But he does show up for a few scenes. Yeah. And um, then his arm is his navy's like just it's, wrecked. it's a little shocking that he didn't end up playing a bigger part in the series. Yeah, I, I maybe think maybe that shocking. was the intention at some point, but you know, like yeah. we talked about, it does feel like the show was kind of finding its footing as it went on. And yeah. maybe they decided like any potential plans they had for him to just kind of push to the side, maybe. Yeah. Or like wasn't essential. Mm-hmm. You know, with the with these sequel stories. You know, we've always talked about how you have to choose if you're going to follow the kids of the previous generation or you're going to follow like a, a new class of people, yeah. you know, and and how at a certain point, if you don't like make a distinction between that, you're, you're just going to start making fan fiction to the previous story. Yeah. <laughs> and that's never a good thing. I mean, you can do a story about the children, you know. No, 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 you, it's, you it's, can, it's, but you have to like, done, you have to, but... you have to make it like more definitive, I guess. And I yeah. think that's part of the problem that sunk like the original Star Wars expanded universe, like really hard. Yeah, yeah. They could never determine like what the next like chapter was. They just so kept either turning evil or dying. <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, And, and here... I, I, is Mara Jade a good character? <laughs> people like her, but I, I like maybe her in I like Thrawn. Um, but yeah, that's the, the Star Wars gets like me- the expanded universe got messy like real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so no, she's definitely a fan favorite, but I, I don't know if that actually means anything anymore. Well, now she's a fan favorite, but also like a lot of fans detest her. Like there's there's definitely like a hate them going on. Well, the the Emperor's Secret Apprentice is never like an exciting story yeah. decision at this point, you know. I guess, but it's. I just assume Palpatine has like secret shit going on all the time, mm. you know, mm-hmm. which you don't even need to explain. Yeah. Movie. And if you do, <laughs> you better have a good fucking answer. You you can, but also maybe don't include that shot that has like a tank of Snoke clones, because that just raises more questions, <laughs> and has nothing to do with the narrative you're actually telling. Like that shot shouldn't be there. No, no. <laughs> Fuck All right, well, Kuvira attacks early on, and... Mm-hmm. Navy uh, gets, like, completely wiped out. Like, yeah. Like, all the Navy ships are fucked, and the uh, president, like, immediately decides to surrender, which might, honestly, is probably the better decision. Yeah, that's the one good decision he's made, like, the entire show. I do like that this show is kind of like, you know, all-out war isn't, like, should not be the first option, even in, like, this instance where, like, a city is going to be conquered, mm-hmm. you know? So you have to remember that a war involves dead people. (laughs) Um, Honestly, that might be another product of the budget issue, you know? 
Like maybe they wanted like a full scale battle, but mm -hmm. they had to settle for this and it works in its benefit. Yeah. I'd be curious about that. Cause it doesn't feel out of line with what's happened, especially with like the, the mature decisions that the characters have to like start taking on this season, you know, where they're realizing that like direct conflict isn't the best way to handle things at this point. Mm -hmm. And, and you still get like exciting stuff with like Cora and the airbenders, like kidnapping Batar jr. Mm -hmm. which is like a really fun sequence and uh batar jr still like i i don't have batar a family kavir is my family now yeah he had a moment in the previous episode where he didn't want to fire on opal at least you know yeah yeah so like there's like a little seed of humanity in him he's not like a horrible monster he's just a monster because mm -hmm. you know war crimes yeah um, and like but he still does care about his family obviously and there's something maybe there's think, something more going on there i think this function just runs in the bayfong family you know yeah thanks toff yeah no, it's not even toff's fault toff's parents no were no, no i know i know i'm being facetious oh, okay but like... okay i thought you were <laughs> no, 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 i was no. saying it's it's that thing of like i bet you toff very much went through a moment in her life where she's like well i'm not gonna be like my parents mm -hmm. and then she ended up being like her parents which is what fucking happens yeah and <laughs> You know, you kind of have to learn, like, what parts do you keep and change, you know? Mm -hmm. There's just some inevitabilities that you're going to adopt some qualities of your parents, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, another good lesson from uh, from Toph in that instance is that, you know, it's never too late to, like, grow and change in your own yeah. way. Like, she doesn't change drastically. She's still Toph Beifong, and she's still going to live out in the woods, and she's still going to be a grump. But, you know, she's like, hey, if I if I can't, like, change the past, I can, like, get along with both of my kids. That would be nice. Well, you know? yeah, it's it's also the thing I like to, to be like people who go like, well, I'm not going to be like my parents. That's like it's the illusion of change. You know, mm -hmm. it's you just adamantly saying, well, I'm not going to change in that way. And but that cuts you off from recognizing where you are becoming like your parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not, you know, I'm sure. A lot of us, not all of us, but we have elements of our parents we really like and <laughs> elements we do not. And we want to, we want to, you got to recognize those things quickly <laughs> or else you're not going to change. And noticing that with a lot of people lately in my mm -hmm. age group, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but on the further point of change, Batar Jr. changes yeah. his tune real quick. After Kuvira tries to blow him and his family up, that's a genuinely like sad moment. Like, no, it's super because there's like, like a genuine like connection between him and Kuvira, and yeah, I, I would say Kuvira does like quote unquote care, but she's like blinded by her ambition. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah. It, it, it caught me off guard. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Uh, well, I was I was watching it honestly, and I was like, wait, like I didn't remember. I remember Batar changing sides at a certain point or at least leaving her and i couldn't remember like how it played out and like it still hits pretty hard for what it is it's like very simple like kid story logic but it's also it's someone that you think loves you pointing a gun at you like mm -hmm. which is a heavy thing um where I, and you know and it does feel like they did they do love each other you know which is what makes it worse mm -hmm. um yeah, to be like, you know, she's my family now, which is that issue that kind of comes up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's uh, it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we don't get an answer on survivors until chapter 12, Day of the Colossus. Yeah. And everyone survives. But, you know, again, for a kid's show, that's that's a pretty heavy moment. Yeah. 
I was wondering if maybe like one person should have lost their life. I th- I thought about that too, but like they end up using everyone really well in these last couple yeah. episodes. <laughs> so like I'm like okay with it. Oh, you know what we we uh we skipped over? Hmm. Uh, Mako causing a panic when they were trying to evacuate the city. Oh yeah, that's terrific. <laughs> and the fucking Prince Wu has to calm everyone down. Oh yeah, Prince Wu really steps it up these last couple episodes. Yeah, he does. He's still like a boob, but like he learns that like eat to have a heart. <laughs> he learns yeah, to he... care about people other than himself. Yeah, there's this interesting thing with his character where he's he's explaining like his own discomfort in the situation that they're going through, mm-hmm. but he uses that to almost like leeway a connection to the greater people and everyone's like yeah. whoa he can like he can like be a leader <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like weird or at least make the right choice maybe not leader we'll see where yeah. that goes but he, he can you know there's there's still possibility of growth for all these people although he does say after that they're like hey maybe if cora buys this uh, she'll date me <laughs> yeah. you know yeah so. you know but you he doesn't know, change overnight he's a little confused but he, do- he doesn't change overnight yeah yeah but that was a good moment with Mako because he just mm. can't. Mako just can't help it. So fucking funny. Yeah, he's like, he's, I don't understand. I referred to the guidebook. Like, <laughs> even when he tries to like do things the quote unquote proper way, he's like still a fuck up. Yeah, that's great. That'll be sad living in the head of Mako. Just <laughs> <laughs> have no idea what's going on at any point in time. Bolin scored more than Mako did. Oh yeah, huh? Bolin's had like two girlfriends. <laughs> And <laughs> I want to save my last thought on that for later. <laughs> oh, and he had uh he had uh the movie star woman. I I mean, does that really count? Yeah, think... if you're Bolin. Oh, well, I guess it counted yeah. for a night. <laughs> Mako didn't get that. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. Uh oh, and they so in, in Day of the Colossus, they realize that they can't bend the mecca because it's it's made of like that rare platinum and such yeah, like platinum. that because what? that was then they t- it was the domes of uh fucking the city i can't remember the name all of a sudden uh zaofu yeah zaofu that's why she had to take it that was like the big oh that's why yeah. it's not just well, because she's consolidating power yeah that's like all that is like thing. that too yeah it's that too but she, she does have ulterior motives mm-hmm. um it is a little weird. I will say, I actually give the show a lot of credit that we don't really get her whole deal until the end. You know? I, I want to hold on to that thought because I know that's a big um, point of like contention for people. Mm-hmm. I, I think some people consider it like an exposition dump, but I, I, I think it's essential. No, it makes perfect sense when it comes out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a little bit more on Day of the Colossus, because this one's really action heavy. Like, yeah. the last one you start like the evacuation and um uh this is when you start getting Tenten a little more active again in the season with his family deciding to stay and help him too so his wife decides to help prince wu evacuate his airbending kids are, are helping to fight against the mecca you know what i i really like about this episode like the action in it mm. is that they everything they try doesn't work like they try everything <laughs> you know yeah and it really makes the mech like because like the mecha was only like just introduced it's a very like late in the game thing and they even kind of make a running thing of like like we don't even know where the fuck this came from <laughs> like yeah. so like it does raise a lot of questions of like who was building it i mean i guess the logic leap you could make is that this is what was being built in all the camps that she has mm-hmm. the work camps like that's the secret project they're all secretly working on 
but uh it's it's this thing of like you have to make this thing intimidating and what they do is they basically go like everyone shows up with a plan and like none of them work mm-hmm. and that's really uh am i i i thought that was a great way of just because you don't see that too often anymore you know no. it's yeah. it's like that thing of I think we were talking about set up and payoff before the show. So like, I won't, it won't make a lot of sense, but there is a version of set up and payoff where there's like an anti payoff, you know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And that's something that I feel like has real, it, where set up and payoff has almost been forgotten. Anti payoff has really been forgotten. It's like anything that gets set up in a movie pays off because like the, it almost feels like the writer is like, well, I got to do something with it. <laughs> it's like, you really don't like, it's not every bomb has to go off Mm -hmm. i was actually thinking this i was watching predator the other day um and there's that scene in it where um arnold has like laid all the traps right Mm -hmm. and he he's he's been defeated but he knows if he can get the predator to walk through the one trap it'll get him and he's like come on kill me you know and the predator notices it before it happens and so like avoids it that like that little moment wouldn't happen in a movie today you know what this this is going to be weird because we shit on them so often now but like the first guardians of the galaxy guardians 2 is still my favorite and it is better at setup and payoff i think but guardians 1 has this fun bit with like the that that giant explosive that could like blow up a moon if they wanted it to or whatever yeah it's like oh don't leave that in a box and blow up whatever and then it looks like they're going to use it on on yondu's ship later and they're like no no no, we don't need that it's not important and then they use it at the end when it does become important in the last minute effort to destroy the stone or whatever, right? Like, that's fun. If you're going to do a fake out, like Predator does that because that trap doesn't work, but then another trap works yeah. when Arnold crushes the Predator. So, like, I don't, just have fun with it, you know? Yeah. That, that's all this is. Just have, have fun with your action stuff. And, yeah, because none of the action in this is, like victorious it's all just very desperate like how about this no no no, that didn't work okay we'll hit it from the air no no no, she's wiping out the airbenders okay we'll just move the big wave no no no, that that won't work because it's moving too much okay we'll all do it together now okay now it's kind of working but not really we have like five seconds we got to try something else now i don't know more action should be this inventive because no yeah yeah all all Um, this this action shit that's what really bums me out i like the new Mortal Kombat movie, everyone's like, oh, it's dumb schlock fun. I demand better from my dumb schlock fun. Yeah. Because I've seen the Skyline sequels. And, and you guys, and those are if very the, good. If Diego's demanding better from schlock, you know it's bad. <laughs> Look, I've seen people say that the Mortal Kombat movie is just fun. What were you expecting? Look, I'll go to bat for Godzilla versus Kong, which is one of the stupidest mainstream films released in theater since like Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Nobody is allowed to defend Mortal Kombat in front of me. It's I I'm honestly weird. It's weird that people are dying on that hill. I don't get it. I'm there for the sequel. If you give it to like a real filmmaker, like who can direct, then I'm down. Mm-hmm. But uh, you you don't you don't set Mortal Kombat in a bunch of uh, warehouses and hallways. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's not that hard. Fucking god. Yeah. Now I'm just mad. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. No, fuck. You'll be so mad if you watch that movie. I won't. I mean, I didn't even like the other Mortal Kombat, so. I, I like the first one okay. Yeah, because like, it's fucking that guy you like. <laughs> no, you know why? Because 
there's an art Paul to Thomas Anderson and staging <laughs> and a color palette. Sure. Look, we were blessed with bad movies before. Now we're cursed with them. I don't I don't agree with that at all. All right, well, whatever. <laughs> people fuck it. I just get to know when people defend shit that is was bad then and is still bad, you know? Like <laughs> we didn't know what we had. That's all I'm saying. Because now everything's all just we'll do it in post and we'll make the let the executives guess, make the decisions. The year Mortal Kombat came out, I could bet you I could find 20 other movies that do its bad job better. <laughs> Maybe that are but bad point movies. Is, but the point is that they you have options to choose from. Now I don't really. <laughs> I think we do, but you have you really have to go looking for it now. Yeah. And you Everyone... really have to put up with some cheap looking shit like the uh, the direct to video market's honestly like where it's at right now yeah it's strange yeah um yeah there's a weird uh but you but that's one where you really have to look because it's yeah. not just uh it's not just like oh you know there's like hit like there's like a thousand direct to dvd things and like 10 yeah, of them yeah. are good like <laughs> But those 10 are worth it. So, <laughs> Oh, um, also, in this episode, we didn't really touch on it. Uh, Hiroshi Sato uh, is freed by Lin Beifong and, and helps them plan to weird take down choice. the I can't imagine inside. Lin making that decision is a little weird. It's a little funky because he led to her getting her bending taken away. Yeah. So I, I get that. And uh, I like I honestly couldn't see Asami at a certain point being like I hate to do this, but my father would actually really help in this mm-hmm. moment, you know? Yeah. Like I could see Asami like, and then later she kind of makes like the like you know, oh I love you, whatever, blah blah blah. Like, yeah. That... And it's like right there when that happens, like oh okay, so he's gonna he's gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. You know what? It mean, it's fucking... not effective. But... You know what? I totally forgot he died. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I, I just totally forgot he died. And uh, yeah, season four, I think it's because when I watched season four, it was just all at once. So like it kind of all blended together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't remember it as well as I remember the ones I was watching week to week. I can kind of get that. I mean, he dies pretty brutally. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, yeah. for, for these shows, I mean, the death in Korra specifically are like really rough. Because there's like a, a murder suicide at the end of the first season. The second season, the villain gets his spirit erased. No one yeah, talks but that was, about that. That was his own fault. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But like, imagine it's like, oh yeah, the soul exists, but now you're it's going to be erased. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> and the, you know, the third season has like at least one murder suicide. Uh, Mako definitely kills that woman. Um. <laughs> that lady's head explodes and then yeah. the earth queen is choked is, to is choked to death in like so, front of people like it's not like you know yeah it's <laughs> see it, it. It's, a, it's a pretty rough show um that's that's a you know last airbender that's like a kid show this one's also for kids obviously but maybe wait till like 10 11 12 for this one kids can handle anything you think so I mean, like, I, I'm I'm willing to to let kids watch this, but like, you know, if someone's a little unsure, I, I could mm. see someone waiting a little longer. Sure. The, I just remember yeah. I I compare everything to my childhood, where it was like literally just show me anything. Oh, okay. And my father didn't care. 
Kids, you ever seen Return of the Living Dead? Yep. Kids, you ever see Robocop when you were eight? <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to forget some of that shit. What do you think is better to watch in your eight? Total Recall or Robocop? I mean, I did both. Okay, but like, so. you had to choose one. What do you think would be better for kids? Um, Because I, I think Total Recall, because they can get caught up more in the fantasy aspect of it. And then when they're older, that's when it'll hit them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, guess. Oh. I don't know. I, like, I rewatched Total Recall a little while back, and I didn't remember that it was that brutal. Like, whereas Robocop, I just kind of remember it being brutal. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. Body Richter. Yeah. Also, uh, Total Recall has like a ton of nudity. And, oh yeah, that's right. Um, depends on like what a kid. I mean, you know, I I think there's a debate about you know if you're gonna show kids horrific violence, I don't think some nudity is not gonna hurt them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're not. They're too young to really process it. Like it's not gonna mess them up. Um, don't show them like hardcore pornography. But yeah, like, yeah. If someone's just gonna be naked, I think they'll be fine. But uh, that might be a bigger question if you're a parent out there. I am not a parent, and I don't plan to be, so I don't know. Speaking of parents. I would be downloading, like, all my horrible political opinions onto my child. <laughs> it would just be awful. <laughs> um, but Hiroshi does get his, his little redemption moment as well. And th- this does bring up the thing about, like, well is redemption like something you can achieve in a moment or is it like a, a whole process and you know it's probably not something you can do in a moment but it it's still it's still a, a nice well, character it was, moment it was a process for asami because she did start seeing him again you know like, oh yeah yeah and again it's the thing of like he's not redeemed in the sense that like okay now he's going to be on team good guy you know mm-hmm. like his one time he's on team good guy he dies yeah it's like but he's redeemed in the eyes of his daughter who can now give like closure to his life you know yeah which is really what's important whereas if he had stayed an asshole and she had never like reconciled with him it that would have just like been a horrible like thing that haunted her life you know Mm -hmm. um and so like if he then died it would be like well i never got that closure and i'm never gonna get it now and that's a that's difficult it's more that like he got redeemed for her but not necessarily the nation yeah yeah i bet you there will be a statue to him in some sequel (laughs) that's that's what they do on these shows but i don't know uh, about that that would actually be surprising i don't know (laughs) they should give him a memorial bench in like a park you know Mm -hmm. see that i could believe i i think an asami statue Asami statue makes sense, but like it feels like like I'm not even saying a big statue to him. I'm saying like if you go into like Asami Industries, whatever it is in the future, there's like gonna be like a little plaque for him. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be like, yep, this guy founded it, and let's not talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) This guy founded it. He was my father. I loved him very much. Don't look up anything about him. And that's (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Mrs. Sato, there's a whole there's a whole 50 years missing in the middle here. Yep. 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 Let's keep yep. moving. It would be terrible if Avatar, they did another season and it was all about how woke culture is ruining the legacy of the Avatar or something. <laughs> it's produced by Tina Fey. A little bit, you know, like, because there's, you know, people, you know, it's the same guys working on all three, you know, mm-hmm. I think two guys like this writing staff changes. So that I'm assuming helped a little bit. But, you know, at a certain point, 
you start showing your biases and they arguably they showed a little bit here but uh it'll get only get worse if time goes on hey hey you, you never know you never know did anyone stay good the whole time no one stays good in this world yeah i mean not like good like is in a good person i just mean like they don't reveal like oh you were born before you know critical race theory or something like you know <laughs> oh you were born before the the women's movement so like men are have, still good yeah you have weird opinions about women but like you're still a fine person and you're trying your best but you just you have those parts of you that are always stuck in that era you know mm-hmm. it's like that's what's it's that's it all it's waiting for all of us <laughs> And we can still be good people, but we're just going to have those little things. Yeah, you know? I think that's kind of like the litmus test of like a genuine good person. It's not if you're never going to fuck up because we all do. We all will. Yeah. We'll continue to do so because that's part of being human. But also being a mature human is recognizing when you fuck up and how you can do better. Yeah. That's all. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that complicated. Yeah. Or if you realize you can't fix yourself, uh, maybe step away from the public a little bit. Yeah, you Matt know? Damon did that. Now everyone likes him again. Did he do that or was he forced away at gunpoint? I mean, I'm sure he was forced away at gunpoint, but like, you know, and that's obviously not as anywhere as severe as any like heavy handed, like genuine problematic people like Mel Gibson. But, you know, Matt Damon had his white privilege flag raised pretty high yeah, and and uh, he fucked up in, in the eyes of the public and my, myself included. And then he stepped away for a couple of years and now people like him again. It's like, Oh, Hey, he was in Thor, you know? And then it's like, Oh yeah, I like Matt Damon. Yeah. Everyone kind of forgot about the couple of years stint when he was like, no, no, no. I know about representation in Hollywood. Yeah. Maybe don't say that. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he had his moments, but like, I also, you know, whatever it's fucking Matt Damon. It's weird. It's weirder that Benifer is back. <laughs> I, we can't even start attacking that. <laughs> you can't bring up Matt Damon and not bring up Ben Affleck, who has done like everything you could to try to redeem yourself. <laughs> Matt Still, Damon, like, what is it about Ben Affleck? You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't. He, he's he's the Mako of our reality. Like, he just can't help it. <laughs> I feel like I I feel bad talking about him. I do too. But that being said, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's very fun to keep track of whatever Ben Affleck is doing. I know. I don't like the pictures of him in front of his house. Like that's where like my line is. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but, uh, uh, I we kind of can't not talk about Benifer being back. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, like I have mixed feelings about uh, maybe the girl from Raya. Uh, posting the video Ben Affleck Center where he's like, "Why'd you unmatch me?" Although <laughs> I did not know about that. <laughs> okay, um, Ben, <laughs> get o- No one should let Ben Affleck have access to the internet. <laughs> it was, it's so embarrassing, and I feel so bad, but it's kind of incredible. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're Ben Affleck. You can fucking Ben Affleck. P- people, people will have sex with you. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not that bad. I guess it's kind of good that he he doesn't realize he's Ben Affleck. I mean, maybe yeah. He would cause... use his powers for evil. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. 
All right, let's, let's bring this home. Okay. Let's bring it in for a landing. The final episode, The Last Stand, is a showdown uh, with a bunch of fighting and, and violence and lights and spirits and a lot of emotion. And it made a lot of homophobes mad on the internet, but we'll get to that. Yeah, that's the that's the last thing that happened. Yeah. Um, uh, the Kuvira and Korra fight is fucking amazing. Every you know fight with Kuvira in this season is like some of the best the show has ever done. Yes. Um, oh, it's excellent. Yeah. And I mean, fight, I just you know, want to mention it real quick because like it's it's so cool. Like the first fight we see is Korra and Kuvira just like on a flat piece of land, and the fight's still like impressive. Yeah, that's how you know you're good at fight choreography when you're fighting on a flat piece of land and it's like exciting to watch. Then the second fight is on top of like what would become the, the arm of the mecha before we realize that's what it was on the cannon. And that was really cool working around like the environment that way. And now here inside the mecha, Koro's fighting by literally like dismantling the mecha mm-hmm. inside it. And Kavira's trying to keep it assembled. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Yes. You teach a class on how to design fight scenes from that yeah. one scene and it's it's it i mean it's all it's also like we're just trying to keep her fucking forces together you know like mm-hmm. it's the whole thing it's the whole characters right there mm-hmm. which is uh something that people don't really do a lot these days yeah like if you're if you're crafting it's legend like of cora and ryan johnson like that's it <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're crafting like a villain or like an action set piece, you, you, you want the action to like speak to the character. You don't want it to just be cool. Now, yeah. I love just my stupid cool shit too, but you know, the stuff that lasts, you want, you know, mise en scène is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a pretentious French word that, that art nerds use. <laughs> it's a thing to help you tell your stories visually. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't. I don't know why anyone does anything <laughs> anymore. It's just like, just heartbreaking. <laughs> you go to these fucking movies and there's just like action in them and it's all the fucking same. And it's like some VS, VFX team did it and they got no credit. And then everyone gets mad at them for it being uninventive. And it's like, we weren't told what to do anything. Yeah, and we're not, they're directors. not given the resources. Yeah, we're, we we don't direct these things, and it was like that that rhino in Black Panther looked fake, and it's like that's what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and you're one of the top YouTube movie critics. <laughs> you talk about that one shot of a rhino. <laughs> I guess that's how film criticism works. I guess so. Um, something else I really liked in this episode, and like in contrast to the last finale where like every relationship Cora built throughout the series and season up to that point or about like trying to rescue her uh this one she was like leading them into yeah. the confrontation and you get to see all the relationships develop so like in the last episode I didn't even talk about it but like when Tenzin is like guiding the the air nation to like distract Kuvira mm-hmm. on their approach to break into the Mecca uh, there's this really touching moment where Tenzin dives to save Jinora from the laser blast and they get they both get knocked out and then the his other kids come in to swoop him up and save him and it's like oh wow like all that is only possible because of their relationship to Korra yes and like that's there's a lot of that this episode where Bolin and Mako team up again to to destroy the power source inside the mecha Suyin and Lin team up to disable the weapons arm and then they get tossed aside like a hunk of bread or something which is kind yeah. of cool 
I will say there's a great Tenzin moment, like a few episodes earlier, where uh, Korra starts proposing her plan. And she's like, I know it sounds dangerous. And Tenzin just goes, Korra, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, that's definitely um, Tenzin and their relationship kind of changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's it's that thing of like i think this is how bad like the internet is at talking about it because they make it seem like they were adversarial like the whole show you know Mm -hmm. and it's like when that kind of ends at the end of season two like they definitely butt heads but it's like in a very different way after that you know yeah and if but if you talk to people online who act like this show ruined everything for some reason (laughs) they 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 go like well they're always fighting and cora never learns anything (laughs) Yeah, if you're saying that, you're just not watching the show. And that's fine, but then don't talk about it because you're not watching it. Yeah, it just feels like a lot of people gave up after the first two seasons. Mm. Which, like, you know, I'm not saying... Like, like those were definitely the rougher parts of the show. But uh, you can't maybe talk about it if you only watch those two. <laughs> yeah. Without, without starting your argument with, I only saw the first two seasons. Uh, but the, the tense and core relationship, I also think, is speaks to like the more mature angle that this show gets because you know like when you're younger you you tend to butt heads with authority and -hmm. you realize that not all authority knows what they're actually talking about um and then as you get older you know if you have an an equal like footing of respect at least between the two of you or or whoever right like you, you can find like common ground it's easier to have a conversation without getting into like arguments yeah with people like that or like I don't know. It's it, it it's a very mature thing to bring into this children's show <laughs> that your your relationship with adults will change as you become an adult. Yes. Uh, oh, and then Kuvira and Korra end up crashing into the the spirit wilds, mm-hmm. and it looks like Kuvira's toast. But then she turns on the cannon and can't turn it off because it's wrapped up in the spirit vines. Yep. And, and a- can I just say one thing? Mm-hmm. I gotta bring this up. I'm sorry. It's to go back to the humongous mecha. Uh-huh. The introduction of the mecha, at least to the uh, team Avatar, is incredibly similar <laughs> to the introduction of the giant steampunk tarantula in Wild Wild West. <laughs> it's very similar framing. And in that movie, they use a flying machine to, to drop bombs on it. <laughs> Which is very similar to the hummingbird suits that Varric designs. Are you a wild, wild west truther? Truther? I don't even know. Like, do you movie. like it? Do you? Do you no, like it's a bad movie, but okay. it's a it's one of those fascinating bad movies. Okay, the Kevin will, Smith joke about it is fantastic. That's like just incredible. That's like a very <laughs> bit good look into how Hollywood used to operate. <laughs> no, um. I don't have time to go into it, but watch Wild Wild West, watch Man of Steel again, mm. listen to the Kevin Smith joke. Yeah. There's it, it still operates like that. Well, no, but didn't didn't fucking what's his name put it in there as a joke? Zack Snyder? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought Zack Snyder did it as like I thought it'd be funny because <laughs> that's oh, how okay. Zack Snyder thinks about everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, because because John Peters has nothing to do with Man of Steel. No, he produced it. What the fuck he did? Yeah. Are you sure it wasn't name only? Because like, he has be a lot only, of that. Like there's like a he polar was... bear and there's a spider monster. So all right. Maybe. That's weird. I don't I don't believe that. <laughs> I'm okay. a truther on that. But because I, I could have sworn Snyder said in an interview that he did that as like a reference to the Kevin Smith story. 
All right. I'll, I'll have but, to look into that after this. But uh, it doesn't matter because that movie's bad. But, um, yeah, no, it doesn't work, but still. Uh, but yeah, it's still, but Hollywood works less that way, I guess. And I think that uh, Wild Wild West is like one of the more most interesting bad movies ever made. Like it's just a window into a movie that thought it could talk about race relations and also have a steampunk spider. <laughs> And also, uh, like, they almost lynch Will Smith in that movie. Like, that's a scene that happens. I'm so, I'm laughing. Because, <laughs> like, they, they go to <laughs> they go to kill him. But then they're like, all right, let's let him do, like, five minutes of stand-up. <laughs> As, you know, they did in the fucking South. <laughs> and and, and uh, Will Smith says slavery i you know it wasn't that big a deal like that's a joke in that movie <laughs> 1998 different fucking, alive. different fucking time kenneth prana has a monologue about making himself a robot dick like i could develop something for the lower half of my body that is hard pumping and indefatigably steely it's a real line in that film <laughs> He's been nominated for like Academy Awards, hasn't he? Yeah, he brought Shakespeare back. <laughs> He's excellent in Wild Wild West. I'm sorry, I gotta say, it's just it's strange. All right, where the fuck was I? We were, we were at uh they they had, they ended up in the Spirit Wilds and were firing the laser. Yeah. I know this because I knew it was the last chance I would get to bring up the Wild Wild West connection. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> which um, also had a giant like it didn't have a laser it had like a cannon on i'm gonna kill you spider that laser starts firing like crazy yeah um and, and kavira is like it's the one moment where she's like genuinely like i can't stop it like yeah. it's the one moment she feels out of control in the entire season mm -hmm. and the animators do a good job with their limited budget to express that on her face yeah and she's almost wiped out by her own weapon and like a in a, like an indiana jones style finale but cora leaps in front of the weapon and for the first time in the season activates the avatar state yeah and, Although, uh, she threatened she threatened what's his name <laughs> when they had batar shoot he was like well what are you gonna do torture me and she like briefly did the avatar state thing oh yeah but like this is the moment when she she goes full like mm -hmm. avatar state yeah to stop like the equivalent well, of like the nuclear bomb yeah but rightfully called out that like well i know you're not going to torture me because you're the avatar and she was like yeah you know you're right yeah but and she was gonna hide him from like the world yeah that was pretty that's a pretty brutal thing yeah um, but hey you know uh she called his bluff mm -hmm. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. called kavira's bluff and then kavira tried to kill her boyfriend uh every single person I know that saw Legend of Korra's uh, series finale and ended up liking it. The reaction that they gave me was that, oh, they thought Korra was gone after mm. she left in front of the spirit weapon. And I don't know why, but that made me very emotional because then it would be like, <laughs> oh, it's the legend of Korra. It's, it's her legend that's being told yeah. by like her friends and family. And I'm glad that's not the case, but just the thought of that made me like very emotional for some reason. Although it's almost the ending of this. It, it is. Um, where she goes into the spirit world. Mm -hmm. um, but, and it is uh, kind of interesting that, you know, to go back to my bullshit mise-en-scene thing that like Kuvira in the spirit world after witnessing Korra almost sacrificing her life to save her of all people. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that grounds her. Like literally seeing like, oh, like yeah. my, my world is like 
only a part of this, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, there's very touching stuff when the, the like the friends and the family are looking through the rubble to try to to find Korra. Um, and we should and- say that like blowing up the the laser and blocking it like creates a whole new spirit portal. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, a third uh, one. Um, which I don't know what the implications of that is, but that's something to explore later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next Avatar would have to explore that, right? If it's a sequel to this, it has to explore yeah. that. Yeah. Like, because that, that does change the dynamic of the world because the other ones are like on the polar opposites of the planet. So what does the third one do? I imagine that brings it out of balance at some point, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that's that's like a fun thing to theorize about, though. You know? Yeah. I don't need an answer to that right now or ever. Just like... It's interesting, and it's more than just like a, a representation of like Cora's power. It's it's literally her like opening up a new like possibility in the world. Like that's yeah, that's the whole journey. That's her so legend right there. The third way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which honestly, I think that would be very fitting if for Avatar to come back now. I feel like that's a lot of the conversations we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Is like we're we're starting to realize that basically everything about society is in binary. You know, yeah. <laughs> like. That is not one or the other, and that there are third ways to a lot of things. And by third way, I do not mean centrism. <laughs> I want to make that very clear. No, that's yeah. what we really need, a centrist avatar. Yeah. <laughs> I think Fire Lord Ozu made some good points. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's wrong with nationalism? It wasn't, it wasn't his ideas. It was the methods that were wrong. <laughs> it's like, hey... Um, which is a lot different than Korra right now going to Kuvira. Like, we we are alike, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, again, like, they've been very on the nose with her being a reflection of of Korra in this. But, like, they kind of bring it to this point where it's like, you realize it's not just about them. It's kind of like, oh, this is what the whole show was about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is a very hard thing to do. <laughs> um, and it, it says a lot that, like, the again, like, the last episode of this... It's like they have, they're trying to bring down one mecha and it took like teamwork to do it. So it's like about team and like these relationships, whereas Kuvira was like trying to just consolidate power. So like it all came back to her. Like I'm sure like when we talked about her sacrificing Batar, I'm sure she loved Batar, but she doesn't. It's like, well, I can't control him now. So it would be better for him to die, you know? Yeah, I like, mean, she does in her the same mind, thing with her super weapon. Yeah, it's like, oh, I lost control of it. I'm gonna toss it. She literally says that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've lost control of the arm, and then she tosses it off the mecha. Yeah, that's just how her mind works, you know. Mm-hmm. And in her mind, she's doing the right thing. And here we get like that window where it's like, I was an orphan, and like, I I've tried to control everything about my life. And Cora's like, I've been there, and I just learned that like you kind of can't, you know. And you could, you just have to work with what you can, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, real power isn't controlling everything. It's, like, being at peace with everything. Like, learning yeah. what you can or cannot change. It's a good message for kids. Yeah. I think it might go over kids' heads, but I think preteens would appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and bump it up to the college years. <laughs> just uh, I'm gonna... even the history of this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'll bump it up to the... <laughs> people in their late 20s early 30s yeah <laughs> yeah let's, let's skip the whole decade just to yeah. escape i don't know i i blame tumblr a little more for that like, i do too because it's that's uh, it's tumblr was like an arena for 
teenagers that had never expressed their opinions to express their opinions for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, we all kind of had that. Oh, totally, totally. I had that, thankfully, more on like forums that don't exist anymore. So it's like we all had that moment. I remember going on some website. I can't remember what the debate was, but like I said, some conservative talking point where I was like, I think that X, Y, Z is wrong. And then someone just went like, why? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that was what the internet, that's how the internet kind of used to work. <laughs> <laughs> I think it still could. It's just harder to find that like yourself. You, you have yeah. to like traverse it yourself. And that's what makes it even more difficult unfortunately it's hard to to find like a niche area online these days yeah um which is unfortunate um but after after that i guess heart to heart we can call it kuvira and cora uh it's like the one moment where like i honestly like you really do kind of feel for kuvira in that moment you know Mm -hmm. and i just think it's like a little ballsy to be like we're gonna save that for the last moment of the show like we're gonna be like, no, we're we're gonna make you like feel bad that Kuvira is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like again, the, the opposite was like uh, the Fire Lord in the first show, who like never got redeemed, and we just kind of was like, he was kind of just a horrible person his whole life. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I just I I was really impressed. I, mean, I also it was a little because I, I was gonna bring it up. Kuvira, I believe, is currently going through a bit of a redemption arc in the comics Mm. i believe she is like teamed up with them to help stop like a new threat okay i don't don't know if it's like coming for a landing but i do know that like like a lot of people are like i'm never forgiving you (laughs) i believe batar basically said that that makes a lot of sense yeah definitely (laughs) she did try to kill batar batar had his fucking heart broken and was almost murdered (laughs) Yeah. Which is probably the worst way to get your heart broken. <laughs> but uh yeah, so like he's got a legit beef. Um so it was one of those things where like I remember going like depending on how like I was kind of gonna bring that up as like a like a little concern I have, but actually having watched this again, it's like no, nah, I could see there's more to Kavira than her being just the fascist dictator. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is one of those things that where you have to kind of recognize that it, it's fiction and it will never be like a one-to-one yeah. comparison with real life because even real life is more complicated. Yeah. And if you were actually fascist dictator in real life, you you don't deserve redemption, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and here, it's at least trying to explore, like in this universe, how someone could become like like a, a fascist dictator. Yeah. You know, like there there's economical circumstances that brought her there at least well even if you don't want to just be like this is how someone could become kuvira it can just be like this is how someone could agree with someone like kuvira you know Mm -hmm. i mean i've seen people that are that end up with like very weird beliefs and that's very much a reflection of just like their experiences you know yeah like we like i have friends who are like very anti-vaccine right now and a lot of them have had horrible experiences with like the medical industry, you know, mm-hmm. because guess what? The medical industry is a fucking nightmare in the United States. And it's hard to be like, you know, that's bad, but also, you know, vaccines are kind of important. <laughs> like it's hard to have that nuanced conversation sometimes. 
And there are people who just don't want the vaccine because they support Donald Trump, which is yeah, weird. Yeah, Because it was made under him. Like, <laughs> uh, mm. great time to be alive. You love to see it. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I, 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 it's, it's, uh, fucking, I, I fucking like the show. I'm out of things to say about it. I feel like I'm circling the same points over and over again at this point. Because uh, it is a kid show. It's not like the most complicated thing on the planet. It's not uh, something where it's not an episode of The Sopranos where we can literally do two hours on every episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> and we could talk for an hour about that time Paulie saw the Virgin Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, fucking the fuck. Um, I just want to point out that when Kuvira and Cora walk out of the spirit world together and everyone greets them and, you know, Kuvira gets taken away. The first person that Kuvira, uh, Cora looks at in the direction, if you're, if you're tracking the blocking of the characters and, and a bunch of fucking nerds pointed this out the night this aired. So I'm not <laughs> the one that came up with this, but if you're looking at, at the blocking, the first person Cora looks at is Asami. And mm. cause they grew very close over the course of there's a of lot of Asami blocking in this. I'll just say like, yeah. there's a lot of like the little stuff in this season, particularly mm-hmm. like touching then, each other's hair and shit. Like, yeah. it's, oh, we didn't know. talk uh Varric and Julie. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, they patch they, things up and they, they become engaged and then they they, get the final moments are their wedding, which is a little weird, <laughs> but I'll roll with it. Like, yeah. you know, it's, this one, that feels like a little bit of like a, a season finale thing if you know what i mean like a yeah. show trying to like end on like a big old celebration and i think it helps. i loved it <laughs> i think it helps that the show go at some point when these are both crazy people <laughs> like you know this isn't like supposed to be like this is what every relationship should be like yeah yeah it's like no they're they're the weirdest people and they just happen to find each other um it's a little male fantasy you know Mm-hmm. like it's very much like oh what if i had a woman in my life who did everything for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and she even like she's the one who kisses him when they get married you know mm-hmm. oh, like that's flipping the gender norms yeah or <laughs> it's other things but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what someone is like yeah you know i like flipping the gender norms i like a woman who provides for me and me doing nothing right? <laughs> you know when you put it that way you know i'm just saying there are dudes out there who think that they are like supporting women and really they're just being lazy (laughs) (laughs) where it's like you know you should at least try to be you know the breadwinner of the family (laughs) the idea is that like if it turns out that your wife's career is better than yours then you stand back and let her succeed (laughs) you know that's what Mm -hmm. the lesson is not have her do everything (laughs) Uh, oh, Mako got really fucked up and he ends the show uh, not crippled, but like his, his arms in, in a sling and he, yeah. he devotes himself to his friendship with Cora, which is really nice. And I'll never forget the the, the famous Twitter uh, Tumblr post that was like, when Makora happens, we're popping bottles tomorrow night. Mm. <laughs> that didn't happen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just shocked that anyone was rooting for it. <laughs> It's a very heteronormative uh, fan base at the beginning, I guess. I guess, you know what? I was, like, everyone talks about Tumblr being, like, this hellscape, and I definitely remember, like, the bad stuff, but I was definitely shielded from a lot of the worst stuff. You're I lucky. <laughs> yeah, like, so when, uh, we'll get to it, but, like, I did not see that side of it, I will oh, say. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I also really like that Prince Wu 
is like, no, I'm going to abdicate the throne and I'm going to allow the Earth Kingdom to become like a, a democratic like series of states. Yeah. And the people will be able to vote for their ruler. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> Like part of the joke is that that comes out of nowhere, but it's also like a very sincere sign of like growth. I, I like that it's it the show never really lets you know if like is it growth or does he really just want to kind of do his own thing, you know? Like he's like, now I know you're thinking I'm doing this because I want to blah blah like you know, like I want to mm-hmm. avoid responsibility, I don't want to work too hard, I want to stick to my singing career, but I'm really doing this for good reasons. And then you're kind of like, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's fine. Like that's actually a good thing to do. Yeah, it, it leaves it up in the air just enough to be hilarious and also yeah. like, yeah, that was good. Good job. Yeah. Good enough. It'd be funny if he was still doing it just to impress Cora. Yeah. <laughs> Considering how it ends. And it's like, oh, he brought democracy to the world just to impress a woman who wanted nothing to do with him and barely knew he existed. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Tamsin and her exchanged some, some nice productive words I, I was just gonna say like real quick that like i think that's a good setup for if you're gonna do another avatar those guys aren't listening but if anyone who happens to write on it is uh that what happens when you hand over a monarchy into a democracy you know mm-hmm. like because you know it takes a lot of people in power to keep a monarchy working <laughs> and what happens when you suddenly tell those people hey you got to be a democracy now <laughs> how does that play out <laughs> whoops I, I would like to see that you know yeah because it has a lot of relevance to today <laughs> i can't imagine what you're referring to hey um but yes though we get like yeah we get there's a lot of like little goodbye moments um what happened with bolin what was bolin up to is he with uh, uh, bolin and opal just hit the dance floor their their yeah. stuff's done they don't they don't get like the final moment he bolin says, do does the get thing. to uh pronounce uh julie yeah. and uh and yeah what's his face say, he says do the thing do the thing yeah. wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's good. I mean, I guess Bolin is in a good spot now. Um, yeah, I, I guess his stuff just—it's it, all wrapped up already. His yeah. his big like arc was like returning to the fold and like being there for Opal and you know meeting her halfway because he's kind of a a boob. The most important thing in life is friends. Yes. Especially that episode where they try to move the couch up the stairs. No. <laughs> uh, Cora and the song. Oh, well, here you go. Asami, uh, it looks like she might be uh, like kind of moving tendon to the side so she could have a moment with Cora. Yeah. Or she's like, oh, Varric is going to jump off the roof. He's like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Part, part of me always thought it wasn't that serious. I don't know. It's funny if Eric died at his own wedding. That would be incredible. <laughs> That's like the perfect ending for that character. And then Julie gets the whole thing. Yay. She'd be a much better person in charge. <laughs> yes. Well, to be fair, she only stuck around because Varric decided to treat her equally and, yeah. you know, basic human empathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But she handled the laser thing smarter than he did. Oh, hell yeah. No, Varric's no like, hey, this stuff's crazy. I'm not working on this. <laughs> he just gives, Varric just says what he's going to do. <laughs> Julie's like, maybe we should like be a little more subtle because she's going to build this fucking thing. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Kor and Asami share a final moment together. They're exhausted. Asami reminisces about being thankful she could forgive her father. They share a nice hug moment. Uh, I thought they were going to kiss right there. They didn't. That's okay. 
they go into the spirit realm. They yeah, they like, decide to take a vacation together. Yeah, in the spirit realm. And then they hold hands like two best friends always do. Yep. Nothing. And that's nothing, it. They're not gay. Yep, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Good night, everyone. <laughs> of course they're fucking gay. It's not like they had to deal with network say, sensors that stop them from taking it any further. Yeah, but I gotta say, like, man, it, like, you know, shit's bad <laughs> right now. But stuff, there's definitely a like a some stuff's definitely gotten better. Because like that was revolutionary, them holding hands. Yeah, that was happened. that was like less than a decade ago. Yeah, and now people, it's like you know, every cartoon show seems to have a gay couple on it now. <laughs> yeah, you know that are openly in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, Steven Universe had a gay wedding on it. Like <laughs> fucking <laughs> Arthur had a gay wedding. I heard about that. Yeah, and conservatives are very angry about it. Fuck them. <laughs> Especially conservative Steven Crowder because he started his career as a voice actor on Arthur. No way. I didn't yeah, know that. He, he was uh, one of the, I think, the voice of Buster when he was a child. Oh. Yeah. That's that's disheartening. Yeah, whatever. He's a loser. Yeah, fuck him, but it's um, just like, that's too bad. Yeah. He's a loser, but Buster's immortal. <laughs> <laughs> Buster should be in Legend of Korra. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Bring the I, whole gang. I feel like he'd get along with Varric. Yeah. There's a lot of life lessons in uh in Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, th- this is the greatest ending since sliced bread. Yeah, uh, when it's, you reach it's, the little the little butt at the end. It's terrific. It is that thing of like, man, you know, I I you wish they could have kissed. Like that, mm-hmm. like that will always be the thing that kind of haunts it. But yeah. it's the it's the first foot in the door of being like we can finally do kid shows that feature gay characters. Yeah, which uh, is definitely getting better. Um, and I hope that means something to a future generation. Yeah, uh, we will it, see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean that that's kind of the note the show ends on too. You know, not in that the show has to relate to everything in real life because it's fiction, obviously. But you know, it's like. Okay, there, there's the possibility for good stuff in the future. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy breezy all, all along the way, but yeah, you know, the possibilities there, and that that's cool. Yes, and, Matt, uh, they, but it, it required a blog post to clarify what happened. Yes, it did. I remember receiving angry texts when I suggested that. Oh yeah, they 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 did the gay. Yeah. And also, I think a lot of it was a backlash because, I mean, this was one of the first things I remember people videotaping their reactions to. Mm-hmm. Like, everything post-Red Wedding, people just started recording their reactions to everything. Yeah, that was the big and, one. Yeah, and uh, after that, so people fucking, uh, I remember this was one of those things where, and, like, you had, like, people crying, you know, young people especially, and I think it was an excuse to make fun of young people to be like, how could you cry at a cartoon made for your demographic? <laughs> <laughs> and um particularly young women because this country hates young women <laughs> and uh yeah I, but like you know it's terrific and i will say one thing that's hysterical is that like if you read the first comic it's like page two they kiss like they oh okay, sure fantastic get, they made sure to get that shit out of the way <laughs> that's why i'm willing to give these guys more trust than i usually would you know what i mean yeah again doesn't mean they're always going to do work that i even love or always appreciate but i feel like more often than not they they got 
They're headed in the right direction. Yeah, they were stuff. willing to do this, which they absolutely didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they even made it like, like I just think that like the, the hang up for it is that, and it's something that they can always handle in the next series is just like, it would have been fun to see them in the relationship. Yeah. You know, just like, it would have been nice to see that. Um, but as again, like the first step, it's still very good. It still makes me very emotional to watch it. Um, yeah. And it's also like, there's, there's that, uh, you know, everything's like a double-sided coin. I think another problem is that I think they were both very vocal about the reason they did it was because of the reaction to the Mako relationship at the end of season one. Right. Mm. And a bunch of fans were like upset about the love triangle and a, you know, a faction of the fans were very adamant of like, Asami and Cora should just be in a relationship. <laughs> you know, some jokingly saying it, some earnestly saying it. And I think they were both very open about being like, you know, we we heard that and we thought, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, I think that has empowered a lot of fandoms out there to think they can impose their shipping ideas onto the series. Yeah. Um, which, you know, don't do that. No, no. I understand but- that it's you're not making this yeah you know it's it doesn't belong to you in the same fan way fiction to them. exists for a reason yeah you know like you go do it in the fan fiction and i'm fine with that <laughs> but accept work as it is and i accept this very much that's how the english language works yes <laughs> we're both running out like we're like sorry this was uh, on my end as a, it was a disastrous recording <laughs> but it, it it did not work as well as the mecca did no but you know what i i appreciate this show i appreciate you doing this retrospective with me matt where can the people find you well i got i, I gotta say before we go i'm sorry to prolong this but no joke this was a fucked up year <laughs> And like, I think we all agree, you know, we all kind of had a bad year, (laughs) all things considered. Um, But even like, even in stuff that was outside of the world in general, it was a rough year for me. And I believe it was a rough year for you as well. Um, I think everyone seems to be going through it. It's weird, you know, (laughs) Yeah. every, like it doesn't, it's not just COVID and this country tearing itself apart at the seams. It's like, it also seems like everyone's personal lives are exploding and it's been very rough to see. And this, doing this recording and rewatching these shows was like one of the few things keeping me sane throughout it. And uh, so now that it's over, um, I'm going to lose my mind <laughs> and it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I saw that where that was going. No, no, I, I, I was trying to be earnest. I thought of that at the last second. Um, no, 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 I'm very grateful we got to do this. And I'm sorry, I, I think people can tell, especially like the last few, I've been very out of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been like, I've been getting these episodes in between like various fires being put out in my life. <laughs> so uh, it's been, it's been a journey, <laughs> um, but it was great this was a great thing to have throughout it and i'm grateful for the show diego and i'm grateful and i enjoyed doing it and you're a true friend in all of this oh thank you i I consider you a true friend too and this was a delight to record with you to revisit the show 
to to anyone who stuck around for the entirety of the Avatar retrospective. Yeah, I don't think you. many did. I think uh, I'm gonna have like five listeners by the end of this one. Yeah, I think uh, we misjudged what where the overlap is. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you never know. You never know. Um. Yeah, but fuck those people. <laughs> yeah. It, it, just go watch the show if you yeah. haven't. Don't you want to hear the antics of me and Diego? <laughs> you got to watch Avatar to understand it. And it's all on Netflix currently. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. And for some reason, everyone still has Netflix. Which I don't understand. Because <laughs> it has Avatar. I guess, but like it, Netflix doesn't have a lot. And yet it seems to be the one streaming service every everyone has. That that's a whole other can of worms that we'll get to. But Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at twitter.com and I'm also streaming. Although I haven't been streaming lately, but I'm using hopefully when these retrospectives start going up, that's like my clock to get back into regular streaming. <laughs> that's the ticking clock element. There you go. And, and also can... I, I should point out real quick that we did the whole we did all of Cora without uploading any episodes. Yep. Which we didn't do with Last Airbender, I believe. No, no, it's it's the summer of Miami Vice and it's the summer of Cora. Yeah. That's what this is now. Cora saw me, but it's Miami Vice. Cor- Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There we go. I fuck. wish I could draw. I would make that post. I know, so fast. I know. I am so so angry that i can't draw because there's so much fan art i would be doing um at nad's draw at at twitch i'm that's a a friend of mine Mm -hmm. she's fantastic artist i'm gonna commission her to draw that i don't know how busy your schedule is but i have money gotta throw some money at them take take it all take all the money irresponsible with money yeah right Uh, now you know because i mentioned i'll put a link down to her stuff below as well as my twitch at the Diego Crespo, because I'll, I'll probably start streaming again, too. And, of course, at the Diego Crespo on Twitter, Instagram. Check out the rest of the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get early access to the next retrospective. Matt and I cut the segment for this episode where we talked about what we're going to do next, but I think it'll be a lot of fun to, to lead us back into, I think I can announce it now, right? Uh, Happy Amblin Season yep. 2. Let's go. But we're gonna take we're gonna do a quick little break, a little detour, and then go right into Happy Amblin. Hell yeah. Um hopefully there's been some hints throughout these because I believe I referenced everything except maybe one thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh that we're gonna do for the detour. <laughs> one of them was very recent. So well, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Mm-hmm.